I am James Taylor. And I'm the other one, Marco Sparks. Welcome to Bros Watch PL2. Welcome back for S1E2 of Pretty Little Liars, The Perfectionist. Sex Lies and Alibis. Mm. We're back to catch up with our favorite new characters, uh, Eli Cash, Caitlin, and uh, Sophia Carson. Yeah. And Mason. And and Mason. I got some some problems with Mason. Uh, Yeah, Sex Lies and Alibis. You can only take two of those three. Hmm. What would you take? Good question. I guess I'll yeah. take the sex and the alibi. Okay, cool. Uh, so we've been informed that we've got some things wrong, so stick around for that in uh, our previous episode. That'll be juicy. Um, well, who knows what, you know? Who knows I what, know, man? Who knows what we got wrong? Could Maybe be everything. clones. Could be nothing. Mm-hmm. Maybe his name actually is I like Cash. You like Cash? Uh, So this episode written by I'm Arlene King, directed by Elizabeth Allen Rosenbaum. Basically pilot part two. Yeah. Although I feel like it felt less, I don't know. I, on the one hand it's, it's not fair to compare it to the OG PLL, but on the other hand, it's like, it's going to happen. Not as, not as tight of a two-parter I'd say as a PLL pilot in the Jenna thing. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But basically, this is the, you know, you do a pilot and then months later, you have a writer's room and mm-hmm. you start figuring out the rest of the show. And I think you have to do like a little bit of course correct as things change. Not that they're necessarily correcting the course, but it's like, okay, what do we pivot to next? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and also how can we make it as much like PLL as possible by bringing a new Wilden Tanner? Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, as one of our listeners, Liz pointed out, Nolan's saying that he's going, not sure he's going to crew again. And using it as a verb shows that he's an amateur and a poser. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Timeline wise, I find it interesting just that we're recording this on March 29th. This is apparently the, the last day of the final mix of the finale for The Perfectionist. So it's kind of interesting they're just locking in the final episode, eight episodes from now, as we're discussing this. Also, the slow return of Dre Davis to social media. Have you noticed that? I mean, I saw she posted a few things on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. She's you're, making me really charting her, huh? I am. Okay. It's been a, it's been a dark dry spell. And then I just wrote down this note a minute ago. Is it possible that Chris Mason is kind of sort of doing a Jack Nicholson impression of his. Hey, he's American got a little accent? bit of that. Yeah. Okay. You can't handle the truth, Ava. No, that's bad. Shall we, uh, dive yeah. In? I mean, I would just say general thoughts. Um, I do think this was, mostly better than the pilot um, I, except for like Ava's character it takes a real L in this episode <laughs> classic Emily uh, I guess yeah remember all those times we mm-hmm. loved grieving Emily yep yeah cool <laughs> anyway let's get into it yeah so the previously on segment is almost a minute and a half uh, we pick up with Mona's answer me damn it to the same group working, but no one says, go to your safe place moment here. We hear a rewind quadrant three instead. And there's some cameras spinning around in this kind of massive control room. Um, they're spinning around Nolan's dead corpse in a way that no stationary CCTV camera could do. Um, also, at, oh, you mean the, the CCTV cameras are not mobile. 
They're not yeah. like drones flying around. Yeah, I would say like unless they just have like drones, which maybe they will. Uh, also, amidst all the screens on the big TV wall, there there's a Beacon Guard logo that floats in there as well. It's kind of funny how it does. Like I feel like that was like, oh, we should let people know this is Beacon Guard and not something else. But the logo just kind of like flies in there like needlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, at the crime scene, uh, similar to what we saw at the end of the previous episode, there's people gather, there's an ambulance, there's sirens, there's lights outside Thorn Hall there. Uh, Caitlin and Dylan are standing there like taking this all in. A few feet away from them, like Ava has collapsed to the curb. It's just devastated and sobbing uncontrollably. Just, this is a character move that I don't get at all. You know how to fall to the ground weeping guy? No, it just, it, it, this really feels like they they decided to go in a different direction between the pilot and here. Like, mm-hmm. why is Ava so fucking broken up over Nolan? Yeah. And it, and it didn't yeah. seem like they were that strong of a couple in the previous episode. Yeah. And it's, well, hello, he supported her brand. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting, too, because, like, the other two don't question it at all, which that would be, I mean, I, I don't think it's totally insane that she's taken this tack, but, like, it would I, not I feel be like insane it's unsaid. Uh, I mean, yeah, I feel like some they should be like, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> You're really changing your tune here. It's kind of weepy and, and mopey and sad bastardy. Uh, so Caitlin and Dylan like, have like finally looked over and seen her. Uh, Caitlin moves to comfort her, and she's like, hey, uh, Ava, Ava. And Ava recoils, but don't. She throws a hand up like she could just like push Caitlin back with the powers of the force. And Caitlin's just like, oh, man. So Ava like points at this gruesome scene here, and she's like, "That's exactly how you imagined it." Caitlin's like, "I I know how this looks, but shut the fuck up." Yeah, uh, seriously. But she's cut off by the reverb of like a mic or like a loudspeaker. We hear someone, presumably a cop or some kind of emergency response person, say over the loudspeaker, "We need all students to return to the dormitories." And uh, Dylan says to Ava, "Like, let us walk you back." Um, he's very mumble mouth in the first half of this episode, um, and Caitlin says. Can we just go somewhere to talk, please? Like, meanwhile, this crime scene, like, Allison has sensed that disturbance in the forest. She's, like, familiar with this. So she can scan this crowd, like, sees these three. And Caitlin's just like, Ava. And Ava's like, I can't. And Ava backs away from Caitlin and Dylan. Like, she's just so disgusted with them. And then Allison sees that and recognizes it as something. I think she's just, uh, I don't know, curious, you know, like, hmm, what's going on? Intrigue. Very curious. Uh, so we get the credits. They have included like two ch- different shots than the previous episode. Like, so even there's only two, like there's like five shots in the whole credit scene. So it's not like they can replace much. It's like you get a shot of them walking at the funeral and then a shot of like the little like candlelight, you know, shrine or whatever for uh, Nolan Hotchkiss here. So I guess those are the two shots they'll be changing every episode for the credits. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, someone mentioned that they're going to, do different shots from from each episode it's not enough to like really it's just so I don't quick know. It's, yeah like to, to make the gimmick work I don't it's know like it's two fully, half second shots yeah yeah i kind of enjoyed that when they did it in Bowser galactica i mean it was it's a weird gimmick i mean like uh, a person of interest would usually they would cut in the the person of the week somewhere mm, in the credits you know like but i don't know i this these credits to me still feel like they're in a weird no man's land where they're like too short but not short enough yeah yeah so after the credits uh we get like a daytime establishing shot of mccormick hall uh title card that informs us that it's three days later students are moving about as usual on the campus 
Um, meanwhile, some more sad bastard music was playing, and Ava's like sitting on a like a window bench in her room, staring outside. I kept She's, waiting for the uh, the product placement to tell us that these are like. I don't know, like Samsung Galaxy Pods or whatever the fuck she's got in her ears. Because she's wearing these like wireless earbuds through mm-hmm. a lot of the, the episode, but we never get the logo, which is odd. It just looks very weird as a big bulky black thing. Yeah, they, they, they're they awful. Yeah. that That's not a flex there, Ava. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like we could go on a hold like uh, how long has it been since Caleb's shower diatribe here? Mm-hmm. In these three days, but yes, Ava, regardless, is going to be quite the cheery one for the bulk of this episode. She's I, wearing her fashion's a lot better now. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the the implication is not great, but like she actually looks like a college student. She just has on like a t-shirt Here. and sweats and yeah, oh, yeah, her yeah, hair yeah, and a yeah. messy ponytail. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was like, overall throughout the course of the episode, disagree. Uh, yeah. Here, yes. She's wearing Uggs and sweats and like Nolan Hotchkiss' like t-shirt from school. I, I don't hearing, know why she'd have that. Yeah, it's. Well, I saw something on, online where Sophia Carson had said that like she thought of this the night before and the director and the art team like made it happen overnight. Like how long were they dating? It seemed like a day. I feel like the exact context of how the three of them still relate to Nolan isn't totally fleshed out in a way it should be. Like Ava, yes, Dylan too, I think. Yeah, well it's it's mysterious in the bad way where it seems confusing. You yeah. know, it's not like, yeah, it, ooh, there's more to learn. It's more like this doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's a matter of like the artist has like they they've got it and they they just aren't communicating it well or like sometimes i wonder if it's like this is a product of cuts yeah and you just don't you just don't see the final product as as being unclear but uh so she's hearing nolan voiceovers and we get one it's like ava you're gonna be somebody and i respect that so she's basically haunted by the pilot i see a quick flash of her swimming with nolan kissing him underwater and then maybe doing some hand stuff and other bits in that pool scene it's edited together like it's a youtube compilation there's this uh um, but where they're like canoodling by the pool pre-swim talking about her brand and she says I love that you believe in me she's um, like oh those great moments in our relationship like that time I talked about my brand yeah Memories. And, then I, and then I told you that I'm glad you believe in me and you said sure um, and then you did a cannonball yeah <laughs> and she's crying at one point turning it into like a like a shot of Nolan in the pool is like superimposed over her it's like a shot from like uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Brent Stoker's Dracula for a moment. Uh, and then in this montage, we see her like later, like not crying. She's just like staring out her like dorm window listlessly. And then Some she turns away. Emo shit, man. Yeah. Her eyes and her lips are wet. Like 10 years ago, she's putting on like dashboard confessional and screaming. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> like even Arya's like, Hey Ava, settle down. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Arya's going to take a break from like trashing an apartment somewhere to like call her and just like lay into her. Which I believe more than than certain text messages that she sends people, <laughs> which we'll get into. Good God, we'll get into it. Uh, meanwhile, in Dylan's bedroom. Yeah, uh, Dylan's he's having some nightmares. We see him, he's like shirtless in bed. And it's like fucking king-size bed. I just noticed that this episode. All these kids are in dorm rooms with these massive beds. Just okay. <laughs> they know what's happening at this school. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's tossing and turning under the covers. And it's like we hear, you know, Nolan voiceovers from the pilot, you know, Nolan saying, I see the way you look at me when you think I'm not watching. 
and it's getting more intense as Dylan's like shifting around in bed and uh, we hear Dylan saying, I thought you, that you and I were just friends. And Nolan says, no, I want you to kiss me. Uh, Which is not quite what he said, but yeah. Yeah. So we get the shot from the pilot of them making out. And then we hear Nolan's voiceover like on repeat saying, just like, I want you to kiss me. I want you to kiss me. And Dylan gets pushed back against the wall. And then boom, Dylan suddenly wakes up in the present. He just had this big nightmare. He's breathing hard. He like bolts up. Sexy nightmare. Uh, Andrew's walking in with two mugs of coffee or something. He just goes this kind of like really like patronizing sigh. And it's just like yes. another nightmare. And Dylan says, it's getting to the point where I'd rather not go to sleep. Andrew's like, wish I could help. Dylan's. Yeah, I just don't like to say Andrew guy. I'm sorry. But also it's ridiculous because their, their chemistry is all wrong and we're talking about sexy nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> wish I wish I couldn't have to sleep through these. Uh, Dino. Uh, what what is the yeah. Dylan and Andrew ship name? Uh, like Dildrew. Oof. Yeah. And and Dil no and Andlin yeah no I think Dildrew is better. Mm. I I just I need to see these guys in a scene where it's not them in their apartment just talking about the relationship. Like, <laughs> like you you I like the, all the relationships on the show right now. It's like okay we get it you're going out leave your leave like the your two handers and like go do something to the plot you know yeah it's well i think part of it is lessons not learned from pll yeah. is my estimation and like wrong steering too learned, hard maybe. steering too hard into ships that don't mm-hmm. quite have legs i have like a summation of these two that we'll get to in a moment and that's just my take but yeah um Anyway, what's uh, Andrew saying here? Wish I could help. Yeah, wish I could help. Dylan's shifting around. He's got a shitload of pillows there. Dylan says, you do help just by being here. And Andrew smiles. It's like a small comfort. He brings over a coffee mug and sits on the bed. And Dylan says, thanks. Andrew says, yeah, I get why they cancel classes for three days. But if we could just get back to some kind of normal, I think we'd all be better off. Do you really think they can cancel crash classes? Well, if you're... If you were like the scion of the family who runs guess, the school, maybe. yes. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, this like something very, very similar literally happened at my college. I like shot himself on the fourth floor balcony and fell down on the quad. Uh, mm-hmm. There were no classes canceled the next day. They just like went on like nothing happened. Did uh, like who found it? How messy was it? Uh, well, I got there after the fact, but it was like but like it was like, like at nine o'clock at night. I don't know. Like like a Gallagher show. It was like for story so probably not okay okay but he wasn't like the son of the family who runs no. UC santa cruz okay yeah <laughs> he wasn't joey santa cruz <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. andrew wants to get back to the world dylan says yeah well leave it to nolan to haunt us in life and death right and andrew is just like immediately suspicious He's like how did he haunt you in life he said he did his work because you were friends like has he been thinking about that this entire time how could he not have been I guess, yeah. I, I mean, if, the, if you guys are in any kind of relationship and are aware of each other, how could you not be thinking about it? Because Dylan is clearly lying to you. Oh, yeah, I, it seems like you should have picked up by now that, like, okay, he's probably not just doing this guy's papers to be friends with him. Yeah, yeah but seriously. he also doesn't want to talk to you about it. No. 
And now he's dead now. So, you know, bygones. Uh, so Dylan says. It kind of worked itself out. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan says, yeah, I don't know why I said lack of sleep probably. You, you think he's hard to understand? I, feel, I don't know. Maybe at least in my half of the episode, I was fine with him. Yeah, he gets better in the second half, but he said, you yeah, don't know, it's a lack of sleep, probably. Andrew says, maybe at the funeral tomorrow, it'll be easier to move on. You and Dylan says, can we just talk about anything other than Nolan, please? Andrew says, well, it's our last day of no classes. And Dylan's like, mm. Andrew's like, no homework. Dylan's like, mm-hmm. Andrew says, no practicing. I mean, technically, probably she'll still be practicing, but. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so Dylan's got his hands behind him. He's just kind of savoring this. He inhales happily, and Dylan's just like, mm-hmm. Andrew says, "No reason to get out of bed." Dylan kind of lifts him, lifts himself up, all seductive, and he's just like wearing it on top of the covers instead of underneath me. Under now, sorry, underneath them, <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, that works too. Uh, and so Andrew kind of whips out the covers and jumps in. They're kind of laughing, making out. Um, it's fine. I don't know. It's just I, I need to see these guys outside of the storm room. Like and the 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 Jeremy Caitlin stuff too is it's like the same thing. It just feels like they keep having the same conversation and all these relationship I, scenes. I feel like the two actors in that relationship though are navigating the the ennui and like the sexy times a little bit better than these two are because I feel like these two have the energy where like they're the kind of people who have maybe been on like a third date. Like mm-hmm. there's the kind of chemistry they where it feels they like don't they seem like they live together yeah like yeah no exactly like it seems I mean, like they they, they did need move to in fairly recently to realize that they don't belong together yeah yeah i mean i guess they moved in fairly recently but yeah. well, that's the thing i'm very confused about the timeline like was it a year ago that like like uh dylan hooked up with nolan right before this guy so. moved in i mean I, who I, knows i mean so this is this is where i get confused the sexy nightmare would imply like he's still haunted by this attraction to Nolan with the grief, which hello, sexy grieving is the best way to grieve. I, mean, I but just like, figured it's been like a couple weeks since they hooked up. But who knows? Yeah. But who the fuck knows? But like, shouldn't it be more like he really like still f- like carries a torch for Nolan? And that's I, mean, I why think that's so- what that dream was. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, but like, like throughout the rest of the episode, he, he, I don't get that sense from his performance or the writing at all, you know? Well, it's, I, there's like an interesting thing that happens still in this episode. Like I really started to get into his character because mm-hmm. in the pilot, he's just like cello boy, Captain Pushover. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like right after this scene, he's no longer kind of like slouching and mumbling around as much. He's kind of like, oh, I, I got a little bit of swagger to me. I can just go be active in the plot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... um. Him and Caitlin have a good rapport so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, they so feel like uh, like they're a good like like duo for investigating and whatnot. And I and I you know, of course I I like Caitlin, but like because I think Sydney Park's great, but like she's still kind of uh, like what's left over details from Spencer that we can tie on there to a certain degree, but without like the pathos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, it might take some time to find who these characters are, (laughs) but we, we pan up to the right from, uh, and we kind of seamlessly panned like the next scene with a nice shot of a Toyota Corolla by the side of the lake during the day. I really like regret now that I'm bringing it up. Who knows how the fuck long this episode that you and I should have done a whole bit where this episode was sponsored by Toyota. It's just Uh, the Toyota Corolla logo for like 10 minutes. 
But yeah, it's just it's just us talking about Toyota Corollas and like how they're great for car oh, dates. Like the seats sorry. go all the way back. I drove all the way sorry, Toyota. back. Yeah. All the way back. So this is Caitlin and Jeremy on one of their car dates, which is so I, never, never not going to be dirty to me because he has an apartment. You don't need to do car dates. You were studying in the nude <laughs> last week. I guess like when this scene starts, because they're like, they're like hiding. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, why? Why are they hiding? I don't understand. Anyway, yeah. um, they're parked by a lake. Yeah, they're parked by a lake. He's eating like a looks like a no. egg McMuffin or something. Yeah, something like or that. like the kind you get from Starbucks or something. You know, like they don't have those in England. Yeah. Also, he's got tots. Who serves tots in the morning? I don't know. Maybe the maybe it's from school, mm. or like this Hotchkiss Industries like cafeteria or whatever. Uh, so he offers her a bite, and she's just like staring at it longingly. And she's like, "No, I mean yes, but no. I ask you not to offer me your food." And he says, "Coming from a place of love here, but I don't think this no bread thing is working for you." You know, I'm gonna do. You know, I'm gonna try to be British. Be British. No, I don't. I don't have it today. You are leaving me emotionally bum paddled. I don't know, tried to do my best, like a Ren meets uh, Eddie Redmayne accent for this guy yeah. here. Well, which Eddie Redmayne? Because I always think of him from Jupiter Ascending. Where he no, talks definitely like not. This. Of this Eddie screams. Yeah. Just be uh, what's meet in the middle. Let's do a little Hilson. I don't have a Hilson. Anyway, oh. uh, Caitlin says, uh, "Of course it is." I've never been more focused on getting in shape for track. So I guess she's in track. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So she's reaching out for like a smoothie or something, some kind of green sludge in a bottle. And Jeremy does a plate British scoff and then he sees something. He goes, oh, wait, there's a car. There's a car. And uh, they kind of duck down in their car. Like, like, is someone just going to stop and be like, hey, there are two people in the car as they're driving by? Yeah, seriously. What is that beautiful Toyota Corolla doing so majestically by that lake? Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy offers her a tater tot. She says, stop it, or you'll be eating tots alone at your desk. Why aren't you at work, buddy? Yeah. And he says, well, maybe this sudden ultra fitness focus isn't about track. Maybe it's about the 800-pound elephant in the room. And Caitlin says, there gorilla. Is. You know, it's either like the elephant in the room or the 800-pound gorilla. And he says, no, no, you're trying to distract me. But I think we really need to talk about, and she says, Nolan. Says, oh, it's okay if you're relieved that he's dead. You can admit it to me. No one else has to know. And she's like, I am relieved, and I hear how that sounds, and I feel terrible for thinking that way. That's okay. You can, you can think that way. Mm, yeah, that's good. Says, Nolan threatened to blow up your family if you didn't pretend to be his perfect girlfriend. And he knew how much your moms mean to you. I, I don't feel bad about the fact that you don't have to worry about him anymore. In case you haven't seen the pilot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. And Caitlin says, that's why I'm focusing on getting in the best shape of my life for some reason. She's nodding, trying to convince him, trying to convince herself. What is this about Boba Felt? Uh, well, there's typos because I was typing it super fast. He does like that chin thing that Boba Fett does, Return of the Jedi. Like that little like, here's looking at you, kid. I love oh. that that's your reference for that. It's Boba Fett. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> like, that's that's where I go with Boba Fett. With jetpack, the chin thing, and yellow knee pads. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Caitlin's read his, or no, he says, uh, well, you can, you know, you can be distracted by more than one thing. And she's like, are you crazy? What if somebody sees us? And he's just like, well, it's not going to be Nolan. Boom. <laughs> Caitlin's like, you are terrible. And he gives her a posture and she's like, and I love you for it. So she leans over and starts rubbing on him, making out with him. And she says, get these tots out of my way. Yeah. 
And she just, I don't know, like they're just going to like do it in the car here. She's straddling him. Sure. I mean, this is the kind of thing you would do in high school if you didn't have good head for Toyota Corollas. Yeah. (laughs) The new Toyota Corolla has a special like interior vacuum mode for uh, wiping up fluids in a, in a, in a Mm. GIF. Yeah. I mean, also the way they're parked at kind of like a downward angle, I would be worried a lot of like back and forth bumping and grinding. Like just might, if it didn't, if it didn't have such excellent anti-lock brakes, like it might just roll into the lake, which that'll be fun to explain. But yeah, both these last two relationship scenes are just like, hey, remember the last episode? That's mm-hmm. my angst. Well, these are these are people who are getting some as opposed to Ava. Um, so we go to Allison's house where she's on the phone. She's like just the side of frantic. She's upstairs, presumably coming out of the bedroom. This isn't quite that like weird secret loft room that we no. saw in the pilot. Um, but she's come down the stairs while like railing against someone on the phone. Um, it's interesting. Like we kind of see where the lo- the location of her house a little bit more, like that office area where she was grading papers is directly across from this. So it's a, it's a reasonable size little house. Um, she's on the phone. She says, I'm telling you, somebody came into my house and without my permission, fixed a tear in my wallpaper. What so there wasn't talking your- about? I presume the little scrap. Well, I guess she, she tore the scrap, right? No, she first she put it back, and then later, and then later she saw it was peeling again, so she tore it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is so this just is she like pretending to like have not been the one who tore all the wallpaper? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, or just trying to find out some more details about the house. But so she's like, so that wasn't your department. Then who would that be? And the guy on the phone who has no idea what he's in for, it's just like all home repairs fall under my jurisdiction, like I said. Like I and she's said. like, there's no record. And so um, she's kind of like looking at that wall where like their watching is written, which is right above like her desk. Uh, and the guy on the phone's like, is there anything else I can help you with? And she's like, well, you haven't helped me at all. But yeah, <laughs> I need to request a repair. And then she gets a text. So she like checks the phone and sees that it's a text from Nolan Hotchkiss. And it says, meet me on the roof of Thorn Hall. I need your help. Suspense music. She's like, what the fuck does this mean? Well, it was like a voice memo that said that. That'd be awesome. I mean, this episode just screams, we did not have Chris Mason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> or no, or just... uh, what's her face? Haley Aaron either. Although that could be for plot reasons. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, but also, it's it's a weird energy for the way they're talking about Nolan. It's like the pilot informed us he's maybe not a totally terrible guy. So it's like we know more than the characters yeah. already. It's just, you know, weird. she's got a contact photo for him. Like, is this like part of like beacon guard where it's like, it's like pulled down his yearbook photo or something. Cause like, like I, just imagine Allie, like going in there and adding contact photos to all the people that she somehow has their phone numbers for. I could see her having the phone numbers because I'm sure you could get it from some kind of directory. Sure. But yeah, the contact photos. She's just like, I'm a very visual person. <laughs> I'm just going to Google this guy. Okay, here's a photo from a newspaper where they you know, took his mugshot for a quote two years ago. I'll use this photo. Yeah. Is it the same photo as the uh, funeral photo? I think it, it's one of them, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, the funeral photo, I think, is probably from the photo shoot of the welcome back party. I don't know. So after the commercial, Cochran Hall, which is obviously named after Lisa Cochran Nealon, uh, Dylan's reaching inside a cooler to get the creamer from like the back. He gets How do you container. know it's Cochran Hall? Because it says on the wall and then it says outside. Well, there's no establishing shot. 
Well, not here. Later okay. is established shop, but on the wall behind well, Dylan. It's breaking time and space here to let us know it's Cochrane Hall. Well, it says on the wall on the interior too. On the door over his right shoulder. Okay. Well, that seems I'm, okay. Well, keep keep watching. Um, just just gotta use the eyes and you'll see it. Uh so he gets the container the and he stands union. back up. Sure. There's Caitlin. Uh they have an awkward encounter and he's like, Hey. And she's like, Hi. And he holds up the container, he's like cream, and she's like, Oh no, lol, just sugar. Three packs of the real stuff and one pink. And he's like, Why not just four sugars? And she's like, Three sugars is still considered a couple, you know, like I'll take a couple of sugars, but when you ask for four, they give you that look, like you're gonna steal that sugar and put it in your bag. And she's like saying this as she's like opening the sugars and pouring them in her coffee or whatever. It's um, like this is an awesome story. You should tell it at parties. Oh, instead, I think they're telling it at the register, which I'm sure that person loves this. And he's just like, got it. And he sips his coffee and she's like, what? And he's like, oh, nothing. And she's like, no, what? He's like, I just didn't know that you were kind of quirky. And she's like, yeah, I'm logical. Admittedly, sometimes overly so, which is not the same thing. This episode uh, has a lot of... Uh... I'm going to announce your character traits. Yeah. Oh, and here we go. So he looks around, makes sure the coast is clear. He walks with her and he's just like, look, as much time as we spent together, you know, as Nolan's fake friends, as seen in the pilot, we really don't know that much about each other. And she's like, yeah, I mean, except for the obvious, you know, you're a brilliant cellist. And he's like, <laughs> and you somehow managed to do it all. Student, government, track, debate, academics. And she's like, yes, yeah, you can read all that in a yearbook. And he's like, that's my point. That's that's all we know about each other is our mm-hmm. bios. Um, but while transcribing the scene, I, again, I was just struggling with this dude's muttering. And Caitlin's like, well, that's how no one wanted it, you know? She says, you know, a lot. It really wasn't, it wasn't really our choice because it was always about him. He never really wanted us to be real friends. And Dylan says, because it would have put us in the position of power because we stood up to him. And she's like, yeah. Then like they notice like a disturbance in the room and some student off camera is like, no way, look. And they notice that most of the students are heading over to the part of the student center where there's like couches and a big flat screen TV set up. And on that TV, it's a news report about Nolan Hotchkiss. And some students are like, it's Nolan. And one kid says, that's Nolan. And one girl says, oh, my God. And the news report has this old picture of Nolan with like a big dorky smile on his face in front of a darker picture, which I think is like Thorn Hall. And that um, looks like uh, like his soccer photo from like his high school or something like that. Yeah, yeah it seems like an older yeah. photo. Also, the grin just makes him look extra goofy. <laughs> As the Chiron says, uh, authorities have ruled out suicide. Nolan Hotchkiss' death was a homicide. Kaylin's gasping. She's like, oh, my God. There's indistinct chatter. Like, you hear students be like, hey, what are they saying? And one's like, I don't, I don't know. So Kaylin turns to Dylan. She's like horrified. She says in a whisper, Dylan, are we going to pretend like our conversation in the woods didn't happen? And he's like, but that's all it was, right? A conversation. Um, he does this kind of hilarious thing where like halfway through saying, does he like looks around to see if anyone's watching while almost sneering and like he could not look more guilty. And one student's like, they're sure it's homicide. And a female student's like, what? And the guy says, did I stutter? Uh, and Dylan says, we need to call Ava immediately. And he whips out his phone and starts calling Ava. And immediately Caitlin's like, oh, anything? And he's like, no, straight to voicemail. Look. The funeral's tomorrow, all right? We can have it. We can't have it looking like, like it's like, like he wasn't our best friend and your best friend and my perfect boyfriend. And we're actually relieved that he's gone. And Dylan says, he's just gone, murdered. Bum, bum, so bum. there you go. That's where we are. They got to keep up appearances for some reason. Now let's get to where we really are. We're at Mona's place. Mona is letting Allison in. Uh, seemingly Allison might've been like knocking a ring on that doorbell for a while. Allison comes in, she's all intense, kind of just like what the fuck's going on energy. Allison says that text was from you, right? You're Nolan. Mona, 
And Mona's ignoring her. She's got the, some jungle red marker out. She's like doing math equations on her mirror or something and like humming along. Mm-hmm. Uh, pan across the room. You see there's just like random like like papers and big butcher sheet, you know, things of paper and like just, just math equations everywhere. Like on all what? these papers that are like taped to the wall. What if the next time you came to visit me, that's what I did with my walls? I'd ask you to explain your equations. Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing actually? What, what's this? Uh, she's like feeling fine. Mm-hmm. I love that she's hanging it like around the art too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where are we at? Uh, Allison says, "Have you been holed up in here since Nolan's death?" And Mona is just very deadpan. She's like, "I'm the reason he's dead." Allison kind of thinks about that. She says, "Uh, did did you were you on the roof that night? Did you push him?" And Mona whips around like, "Kind of like the fuck?" Like insulted. She's like. Jesus, Allison, what kind of person do you think I am? And Allison's like, uh, I don't know, maybe the person who pushed my sister to her death. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that time you murdered a girl that you straight up thought was me? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's After torturing me and like leaving me threatening messages in my room in this very shade of color. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no offense, Allison. Or I'm sorry, no offense, Mona, but uh, you do have a little bit of a history of pushing people to their death. Oh my god! If they just did a scene like like all of our stupid asides about the history of these two characters, it would be a, a one full act of television. Oh, I actually have something in my notes about that later. Um, so, anyways, Allison just kind of shrugs. She's like, "Well," and Mona just gives her this look like, "Oh, you bitch." She just goes back to her like crazy math writing. She's like, "Why are you here?" Allie pulls her phone out of her purse and says, "Can you look? Uh, can you look at me, please?" Mona turns around and Allison hands her her phone. Mona takes it and starts reading. Meet me on the roof at Thorn Hall. I need your help. Nolan thought he was meeting you that night. And Allison says, I literally just got that text from the dead guy whose body we just saw while he was dead. <laughs> Mona's like, oh, right. You've never been on this side of one of those situations before. Gotcha. <laughs> Allie says, I thought somebody is maybe messing with me. Old A-like. And Mona says, no, the text was sent before he died. Must have been a network malfunction. That took three days, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mona's like kind of just like shaking her marker. It's it's like um, it's one of those paint markers. It's got yeah. like a little thing inside it that rattles. Yeah, like the like spray can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ali's like, you know how this looks, right? And Mona says, like you killed him. <laughs> <laughs> and she puts her finger up like she just realized something. And then she turns around and goes back to writing her math and humming along. Just classic crazy Mona stuff. Mm-hmm. It's delightful. Mona's so good in this scene. Yeah, this, I mean, yeah, this whole episode. We didn't mention her look. She's in just like a Henley with like a must, messy ponytail. Like, probably has been up for three days straight on just like snorting Adderall. We can only mm-hmm. hope. I don't think Mona needs it like Spencer needed it. Probably not. Know. No, she just has her adrenaline hyper reality. I mean, uh, this is a uh, you know she didn't have to come this hard and look this good doing this, but uh, man, Ava, take some notes. This is how you go crazy for three days in a room. Meanwhile, be productive. Uh, Ava, yeah. Um, Ava, speaking of Ava and productive, like she's gone away from the window and is over by the dresser, pouring herself some more whiskey in a red solo cup. Is she yeah, mixing yeah. this or just drinking this neat? I think she's drinking it straight. Yeah. Which that's rough. Good for you. I mean, well, but hey, if you're grieving and you want the world to know that, you put, what, she's got some mini bottles. Yeah. Yeah, those are those are gone. She's already crushed those. I love but that I she presume... has a fucking Korg in her uh, dorm room here. Yeah, it's the, the details. 
here are hilarious. Also, another one of these Beacon Heights University, like very overly decorated situations. It's super decorated. She has like weird like paintings of cats on the wall. Also, I, I just yeah. like kind of like realized this. Um, all the dorm rooms have like full length mirrors in them, like strategically placed. <laughs> like we got to get those mirror shots. Love it. Don't I assume you have like me seven or eight mirrors in just your bedroom alone. I do um, have big, massive like mirrors in my room. That's true. They're do you? The sliding closet doors or mirrors. Oh, okay. But nothing on the ceiling or anything like that, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. <laughs> just that one Coke mirror by the dresser. <laughs> um, Ava's so bed, by the way, it's also like a fucking queen. Much like Ava herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the song playing is all like the walls are closing in. I'm numb and numb and numb. Um, uh, we hear Ava's like voiceover from the pilot. She's still haunted by those voiceovers. Like, I can get past this if you just talk to me. And we like see like Nolan superimposed from that scene. He's like, get a grip, Ava. Desperate's not a good look on you. And she's actually in a spiral. She starts like taking a sip of her whiskey. She moves to her phone, which is on the dresser in front of her. There's a bunch of those empty alcohol miniatures, like you mentioned. She's a little baby boozer. Um, also, FYI, this song is by an artist called King Baby James. Congratulations. King Baby James. I smell nickname. No. Uh, anyway, we, we see her on the phone, and there's like this missed calls from Dylan, Caitlin, Zoe, and Allison. Um, Zoe. I don't know, but Zoe's not calling anymore. What if Zoe's the model? <laughs> I can see that. Like, it's just like the obligatory. So this Sorry, is I fucked awk. your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked your boyfriend the day before he died. Murdered, in fact. Um, also, the font on her phone is massive. Yeah, massive. I know. I don't know what, what OS this is, but it's ugly. <sighs> yeah, so she deletes those calls because fuck them. Um, like we mentioned before, she's wearing the N Hotchkiss shirt. Oh, she she, even, she smells here. it. Man, get a hold of yourself, Ava. I think uh, three days later, Ava, what you're smelling is not Nolan, but B.O. <laughs> grieving B.O. Like sweating out the booze, grieving B.O. too. Sweet. Uh, so she goes over and stands in front of her mirror and like pushes her face down on that shirt, like just sniffing the thing. And again, the song is like, I'm so numb to the feeling, numb to the desire. My mind is on fire, but I can't feel anything anymore. Uh, so she goes to the window and like dramatically shuts the curtains. Um, she goes, gets a red solo cup and she sits on the edge of the bed and like slides down to the floor. And we get just one last shot of her feeling numb and reflected in the mirror. More Ava being sad. Uh, then we're going to cut to Andrew and Dylan here. Dylan's coming in to his dorm room. I, it's interesting. We can kind of see a hallway outside. Mm-hmm. There's these kids that are like, they're playing like Nerf basketball on the, the door, like across the hallway. Like that seems like an actual college thing, but then this room is so ridiculous for a college dorm. You know? Yeah. Well, so they, at the end of one of the, uh, cause they did the whole series of those, just brilliantly marketed uh, Toyota Corolla ads where they're uh-huh. driving around Portland. And one of them, they end it by actually going to the where they were filming and they go into uh, Dylan's dorm apartment here. And like you get to see like the whole kitchenette and everything like it's a full like a set. Yeah, like they, they okay. go to the set. Okay. I was going to say, like, there's no way that there's any college in America that has a dorm room this big. No, no, no. They get, But they get to, like this actual set and you get to see everything where the camera's not turned around like where the okay. kitchenette is yeah. and presumably the bathroom is also i, I like the nerf basketball hoop is like in the hallway essentially <laughs> yeah <laughs> rather than like in a room it's like maybe it's just, just playing be- in the hallway because dylan's and andrew's uh dorm apartment is so massive that like it's actually just a closet like there was no room left in the building yeah that, that yeah. poor bastard's like sleeping like half standing up or something 
<laughs> like uh like like fry and bender's apartment yeah yeah i mean yeah so it's like like this dorm apartment is so fucking domestic and then you got the actual college kids on the hall <laughs> anyway what the fuck are Can you imagine the uh that? like bum 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 keep that fucking cello down <laughs> <laughs> so dylan he's talking on his phone he says you find out where she is just give me a call please okay and he hangs up i guess he's talking to caitlin or someone <laughs> No one tried her dorm. Yeah. Yeah, really? <laughs> so he hangs up. Andrew's sitting on the kitchen island going through some papers. They have a kitchen island. Yep. Um, Andrew says, who are you looking for? And Dylan says, Ava, I just want to make sure she's okay. And Dylan notices what Andrew's looking at. He's kind of, you know, seems like he's waiting for the, the shoe to drop here. And Andrew says, does anyone else know you were doing Nolan's work for him? And Dylan says, heard the news. And Andrew says, yeah, he was murdered. And it's awkward. And he says, and this paper you wrote, the one with your name on it, lays out a convincing case about how murder is justified if it's the only way to end someone's hostile grip on you. I don't think you understand that book at all. Is that why you're writing his papers? Uh, did Nolan have something on you? Something you don't want to tell me? Yes. And Dylan does like a, an interesting deflection here because he kind of answers the first part of the question, but not the second part. Because mm-hmm. uh, he says, uh, look, as an out gay kid in a small town, I ain't a single person to stand up for me, all right? Not one person. The paper is not about Nolan. It's about those jerks who got off and make me feel like there's something wrong with me. Which is like totally not really what he was asking about. Like it kind mm-hmm. of explains the first part of the paper, but it's, not. It, it's kind of pandering in a way. Like here's a deflection that you, yeah. like, you have to sympathize with. Uh-huh. Well, the thing, too, is based on the way they wrote Dylan's backstory last time in the pilot, I remember thinking, like, it's it's just vague enough that, like, you could do some kind of twist or secret from his past, in like, season two, season three. The problem is now, like, this story, like, it's it's a very real story that, if, like, a lot of people know this. And it's like, I really would hate for you to have some kind of twist, like, oh, I killed my, my parents, you know, before I came to college or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Dylan goes and sits where the uh, iPad of the sheet music is propped up. And he starts fondling the sheet music. Uh, so we can see, obviously, that's where he plays his cello. Uh, Andrew says, is that why you need to be perfect when you play, to prove them wrong? Dylan smirks like, oh, yeah, Andrew gets me. And he says, maybe. I just am overcome. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense if they were reading, like, Donna Tartt's The Secret History or something? <laughs> Rather than, like, a woeful misunderstanding. <laughs> and then there were none. I have more comments on that later. Uh, okay. So, meanwhile, we're in a uh, Toyota camera gliding through the night. What or a Corolla. Or, sorry, yeah, Corolla. What a, what a nice looking Toyota Corolla that is. Although white cars are hideous. Um, yeah, just cutting through the night like like glamour itself. Yeah. Caitlin and Jeremy as uh, uh, Caitlin's driving, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jeremy. Does have a license, love? <laughs> yeah. I can fly a rocket, but I can't. I can't pilot one of these automobiles. So he's reading her paper for some reason in he the says, car. Yeah, your argument for capital punishment is convincing, but that wasn't. But that was the assignment. Uh, what are you worried about? Why? Why did you want me to read this? Like when I was a kid, I could read in cars. Now, not so much. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can read just fine in cars. Well, good for you. I, that's I don't know. I, I am lucky in, in that way, at least. Like, I do not get motion sick at all. Ooh. At all? At all. 
Not even just cars, like just in general. Like uh, on boats, like I just, it's like, I don't know what people are, it's something on their experience. Yeah. Cool. Let's get you on a boat. Uh-huh. Get rid of it. Yeah. So Caitlin says, uh, I had a conversation with my teacher, Miss De Laurentiis, and she was intuitive enough to recognize that I wrote the paper about <laughs> Nolan. I denied it, but she knows. It's so absurd. And Jeremy says, you didn't do anything wrong. Why are you so upset? And Caitlin's like, he was murdered, Jeremy. She starts sobbing. And she says, my life has been a lie the past year. You know, I mean, seeking around with you, covering for Nolan. I thought it was over, but it's not. And we have to keep pretending like we're not together for some reason. And that's not right. I mean, you deserve a real girlfriend who you can go out on real dates with and not just car dates. Kind of feels like some Arya told Ezra way back in the day. It's something I feel like all of the uh, PLL ladies have told a significant other at some point. During I was the day. like, oh, except she about her, to dump this guy already? But no. Except for Emily, who you remember that time when she had to like, uh, like seduce the girl at the game night at her house because A made her or try to seduce her? Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Samara. Yeah. Is that Quinn? That she was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I miss Emily. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he doesn't really respond to anything. Then he like kind of looks up and he's just like, Kate, turn right up here. And she's like, why? He's like, please. Uh, so she puts on her Toyota Corolla turn signal. He utilizes that Corolla state of the art power steering, makes a graceful glide down the most rural, rural, rural Pacific Northwest roads. <laughs> the rural juror. <laughs> they pull into like, I don't, like a parking lot. Like, I don't know where they're supposed to gravel. be. Gravel. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> gravel. They're by that bridge. Uh, we can see yeah. that that bridge. That's uh, I think it's a famous Portland Bridge, as far as I know. Uh, the the famous Portland Bridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that Allison the drove. The one that looks good. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Also, there's like a, a factory or something on the other side. Sure. Real, real romantic, gravelly, like like place to stop on it your car. Like, oh, you have kill me. an apartment. You you something yeah, weird. Like, bridge he's guy. got a fuck pad, man. That thing. He has yeah. like a massive like bachelor mansion that he lives in. Also, I'm sorry, are the paparazzi chasing you? <laughs> Is Seriously. Is Beacon Guard at his place? I, I don't think so. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and so he's just like, give me a minute. He gets out, he pops a hatchback, and he like puts his blanket down in the trunk. And this is where I'm watching the episode. I was like, oh, is he about to fuck her in the trunk of her car? But no, that's not what happens. You could do that in a Corolla, though. In a Corolla, it looks like you definitely could. Yeah, it's totally classy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just like sit right here, and he pulls out his phone to like play their song through the Corolla's Bluetooth. Like mm-hmm. you can't just play it on his phone. He has to like I don't know, like wirelessly play it on the car stereo. It's okay. The car could do that. Yeah. So this is Afterlife by Natalie Taylor, even though it's identified as our, quote our song. Yeah. <laughs> you have Bluetooth audio there. And then uh, Caitlin, I think she literally says, uh, if you think you're going to calm me down by playing our song, then you're right. So they're they're just kissing, doing some nuzzling, kind of, I don't know, just rocking around, kind of like they're dancing or whatever. Yeah, dance swaying. I mean, is this sweet and or romantic? I just don't yeah. know. Yeah, 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 sure. You, you're not, it's just you're like not 16. You're really you stressed a- about our relationship and this murder and having to sneak around. Let's pull over and we'll dance. Sure. I mean, on one hand, I guess they can't fuck again because they seemingly just fuck by the side of the road in their last scene together. That would be weird. I could see the network like being like, this is a note. 
why are these two characters just ending every scene with like intercourse? But like all the relationship not, not scenes complaining. just seem to just be about the relationship more or less, you know? Yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, it was baffling to me in the first season of PLO where you get these like lengthy asides of like the Ezria relationship, but it uh-huh. wasn't exactly like smooth sailing. It wasn't like they were just there like supporting the fuck out of each other constantly. Yeah. Anyway, so that song carries back to uh, Mona's place. It's night. Mona's just drawing like weird geometric charts and stuff on glass frames. Allie comes in. She's got uh, pie and some food there. Mm -hmm. She says. I wonder where she's Mm -hmm. been. Because, I mean, she left seemingly earlier. And now she's just come back. I don't know. Well, and... Seemingly, she's been to a place where they have heard of Mona, so Mona might be real. Oh, oh, that's a good point. I was thinking about that. Yeah, Mona might be real, or, or I mean, if it's an Ali's head, her brain just made it up. You know, mm, that would seems. I don't know. Seem like like you would have like lost the thread a little bit here. Like you'd have to do some retraining. So she's like, I brought food, and like Mona's lost in her thing. She's pontificating, and she's like, I'm I'm the reason no one's dead because he never belonged here. It was his personality traits. My algorithm red flagged him. And Allison's like, because he was dangerous by your calculations. Mona's like, no, he was flagged as someone who could push another student to the point of snacking. So by looking the other way and not telling Mrs. Hotchkiss the truth about her son, I created a killer. So Allison's like looking around, like starting to get She's with like, this. I should have told Mrs. Hotchkiss that her son was just a massive fucking prick. And then sooner or later, somebody's going to murder him. So he, yeah, he, like, I mean, it's, it's by, by my calculations, your son is a massive douche canoe. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to tumbling just, dickweed. He is like such a shit pig that he's going to turn someone else into a murderer. And that is going to be the only sane response to just his grotesque bitch antics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Allison's starting to get all this crazy arithmetic and she's just like, so you're using your code to figure out who snapped. Mona says nothing, doesn't, doesn't look at her, just goes back to that arithmetic. And Allison's like, listen, I appreciate that you feel responsible for Nolan's death, but can we focus on me for a second? I feel like I'm back on the hamster wheel. Like I'm back in Rosewood. And Mona's like to herself, she's like, okay, the vertex degrees are four, three, three, two, and three. And Allison's like, I brought pie. Did you hear me? I brought pie. Key lime. The guy at the bakery said it's one of your favorites. Like Mona gets up. She's like still in her own world. Like want to consult some papers. She like, doesn't make sense. And Allison's like, I need you to snap out of it. And Mona's like the total sum of the vertex. And enough is enough. So Allison just gets a hold of Mona and just gives her like a full fucking slap across the face. Like slap out of it. Um, and Mona like holds her cheek and just like that's, stares that's like NBC's at Allison. the slap right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which in which uh, Siler slash Spock is the one who slapped the child. In the is American he the version. slapper? Nice. He's the slapper. Yeah. I don't know who does it in the uh, original version, but yeah. So like, she just like stares at Allison, like frozen for a moment. Allison like starts to, like feel a little remorse, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I did that." But and like looking past her, Mona sees something, and she's like, "You brought pie. <laughs> Key lime is my favorite." And she like heads over to the kitchenette, like probably to get some utensils to murder this pie. Oh, she and gets Allison's another like, big fucking knife out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, I have been doing it wrong. <laughs> All of these years, I've either but just be you no know, getting a fork or a handful or shoving the pie in people's a faces. Handful. Oh yes, you monster! I am a monster. That's that's a power move right there. Like fuck you! I've got all this pie in my hand. Anyway, Allison's like, listen, I don't know how long I have you until you slip back into your beautiful mind, but I need you. Say it again. Um, 
I'm going to pause, like really reflecting on those words. And all these years later, Ali D needs her. Uh-huh. Now, Allison's like, I should tell the police, right? I should tell them that the text was delayed and I didn't see it until today, three to four days later. And Mona comes over and, she, and Mona's like, no offense, but when did you become such a wuss? Seriously. And Allison's like, what the fuck does that mean? And Mona starts like really feeling herself, both literally, literally and spiritually. She's kind of like she's, touching her neck and she's like, Mona is, no, she's, she's touching where she got slapped and she is fucking turned on. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to read this scene. Mm-hmm. She's into mm-hmm. it. Oh, I think there's a, I think there's. I don't know about like Mona's sexual. I don't know where she falls on a Kinsey scale, but like there is definitely a sexual element to her obsession of Allison. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially at least Allison. But so she's like, for a second, you reminded me of the Allison I used to know, the one who ruled the world because she played by her own rules. And she's just so pleased with herself. And it is. Well, she so might as well good. say like the one I fell in love with, you know? Oh, yes, please. And Allison's like, this is my fresh start. Remember, I'm supposed to make a habit of what's right, not. What's wrong? And Mona gives her the straight dope. And she's like, I get that you're trying to fake it till you make it, but that Pollyanna suit you're wearing, it's never going to fit. It's always going to cling to you like some 70s Halloween costume ready to combust as soon as you get near an open flame. And Allie's just like, what a weird metaphor. Yeah. She's like, you're nothing except to me. Um, and, she, and she's like, hmm, ready for a slice? And like totally normal way for a young women in her mid-20s to talk. So they share some like facial expressions. Allison is picking up the patented aria i narrow in this episode yeah she like studies mona and mona gives her this big smile like trust me bitch it is gonna be wild and it is uh meanwhile in ava's haunted house life i mean it's a little unfair to the new characters but like this is what's this is what's giving me oxygen in the show right now is the yali mona mm-hmm. stuff I'd, I'd like to be more invested in our new characters but they've got a lot of competition here it's I appreciate the difficulty that was presented to the marketing department with this show. I don't think they're making the right choices, though. And the show is not necessarily making the right choices, at least about the new characters. So uh, we're in Ava's place. The door opens. We're kind of on a POV as we head into this like dark place. We come in. There's like garments and fashion and shit lying in the hallway, and the curtains are faintly blowing in the wind. We move into the bedroom. We uh, start in Ava's hand. By the way. I'm pretty sure this is uh, where Nolan was fucking the model, right? So, so my question then is the reason I jumped to that conclusion in the pilot is she says to the photographer, I've been up all night sewing. So presumably she's been maybe sewing there's a other than her her apartment or dorm. Maybe there's like an arts and crafts lab at school or something where she's been doing her sewing. sewing machine. Yeah. Yeah. No. But then she comes back and then it's it's a bold move for the model to be like, well – my boss is going to be here in a minute. And Nolan Hosh is like, who cares? Let's get a quick fuck in. You know, like. I think that's exactly what happened. Awesome. Get it, girl. It's exciting. It sounds dangerous. Um, so Ava's in bed. She's asleep. We kind of pan her hand and like we go up to like her or pan from her hand up to her sleeping face. And we kind of change the angle showing her like sleeping form there. There's a shadow of an intruder falls over her. There's like a creaking of a floorboard. And we see her face as her eyes come open up a start. And like this is how we get to a commercial. It's like she seems way too chill for this. I would flip the fuck out if I thought somebody was right behind me in my room. Like, you know who, has that ever happened to you? Where like you suddenly like feel like there's somebody in the room when you're like just like just waking up from sleep? Do you ever get that? Only the dead. Yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like this like str- like the, the the usual struggle in a script to like get to a good point of the commercial. Like, yeah. I 
sure this looked good on paper. <laughs> but like the appropriate reaction is later on when like Claire shows up at Allison's place and 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 Sasha Pietro says like what the fuck? Seriously. <laughs> so after the commercial we're in Ava's bedroom and the lights on. Well, now. to her credit, she says, "What the hell? Are you crazy?" Cuz why the fuck yep. are Caitlin and Dylan there? Like how do, how do they get into her place? Oh, the RA. Oh, they say the RA? Okay. I, what the fuck, Ari? I'd, I'd follow Ava and be like, I need to have a chat with my Ari real quick. Yeah. Like, you don't just fucking let people into my room. No. Anyway, uh, Caitlin says, Sorry, look, we didn't kill Nolan, okay? We need you to understand that tonight. She's like, How did you get in here? And Dylan says, You haven't left your room in days. You smell weird. It wasn't hard to convince the RA to let us in. Uh, Caitlin says, Yeah, we just said that your friends were concerned about you. And Ava's just, man, she is not fun in this episode. She's like, we are not friends. Excuse me. She gets up, uh, moves uh, kind of over, circles around one of her dressers, like puts like a an empty red solo cup on a pyramid on the other red solo cups that she's been crafting. Like, it's, she's got like a mini red solo cup pyramid, too. It's, I don't know where she's getting plastic. all these. Yeah. This is a crime against the earth if you think about it. Well, would you like like keep getting a new cup like what just use the same cup what the fuck yeah seriously um but dylan says look why don't i make you some coffee on your fucking cork that you have here uh, right here yeah ava says why don't you tell me why you're here and so he goes make her coffee and Ken says okay we know how this looks but our conversation in the woods about nolan before he died and he says you mean before he was murdered and Caitlin says did i wish for him to go away yes I didn't make that happen. Dylan sighs and Caitlin says, we all talked about it. And Dylan's like, yeah. Caitlin says, we were walking back home and we heard the sirens. That, 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 that's why we went back. We heard the sirens. Maybe just crosses her arms like, you know, just, I don't know, not in the mood at all. Dylan says, we don't know each other well enough to trust each other, but we need each other. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. He gives her like some black coffee, like an olive branch, and Ava just stares at that shit. And Caitlin says, Dylan is right, okay? We have to be Nolan's perfect posse at his funeral. What if she just threw that coffee in his face? It'd be great. <laughs> Ava says, or Ava grins at the absurdity and says, Now that's golden. She plops down on the edge of her bed and she looks at Caitlin. She says, Do you want me to hold your hand while you pretend to be his grieving widow? And Caitlin's like, Yes, Ava, please. Ava looks back and forth between two of them, settles on Caitlin again, and Ava says, do you hear yourself? I loved him. And <clears throat> did you? Like, they should both just be like, did you? <laughs> Caitlin's just naughty, and Dylan says, look, we get that it's a lot to ask, all right? Until they figure out who really, uh, who really killed Nolan, everybody at BHU is a suspect. Everybody. Caitlin says, even though we didn't do it, we all have secrets that make us look guilty, Dylan says. And we can't risk having the cops digging around our business right now. We just have to lay low and just keep playing by our roles. Caitlin to Ava says, right, unless you're that or unless you're that one person who has nothing to hide. And Ava just kind of turns her gaze back at Caitlin coolly. Like, do you remember how even at the beginning of the show, like PLO was so good about like just playing with identity and roles? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh so from there we start hearing of course a cello cover of tears for fears mad world which 
course, is popularized by that cover. I mean, I'm, cover, I'm, I'm digging all the cello stuff so far. I hope to keep it up. I want yeah. one good, like, very recognizable pop song per episode on the cello. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's the next day, of course. We pan down to the trees and the falling leaves, see a chapel, a sign outside that says, this is the Beacon Heights Community Chapel. There's people milling about, dressed for a funeral. There's like a single news reporter and a camera. Um, then coming towards us through the crowd, we see the three perfectionists. There's like Dylan on the left, Caitlin in the center, Ava on the right. Dylan looks sharp in a black suit. Caitlin looks elegant and kind of like a form-fitting, simple black dress. Ava's funeral dress, what the fuck? What this the looks fuck? like what something you'd what see on a runway. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's got these got huge, it. like hideous, poofy, like shoulder things going on. There's like, yeah, there's like, it's got like chest cutouts. Like she's DC Comics as Power Girls. There's floofies. There's poofies. I mean, maybe if you completely lost the sleeves entirely, it wouldn't be that bad. But man. It looks like uh, a bunch of dark material roughly cut into a dress shape. And then someone stuck a straw in there and started blowing bubbles. It's long sleeves. It's very leggy, like, like hashtag funeral thighs. Um, and of course he's. <laughs> You get the cutaways to other people staring and gawking, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, well, she's also got this look on her face, like she's like the fucking Terminator marching towards us, like, Sarkana. Like, I think she thinks she's at Vampire Academy right now. Also, would she be freezing in this outfit? Is it's, it summer? Is it fall? Is it both? What is it? Well, it's sun's out. Yeah, I don't know. Sun's out, thighs out at the funeral. Um, So they're moving in slow-mo and bouncing along. Like you said, there's like the gaggle of other teens or college students who are just like what the fuck are these three these three are so extra at this funeral they go through a gate and i i guess it's like they're handing out something like handing out programs mm-hmm. um so the three like circle on into the chapel uh inside the three of them come in and like caitlin's in the lead like dylan ava like an equal measure behind her um it's quite a turnout and also this thing is huge inside do you catch uh, the uh there's like a person off to the right side of the frame that you happen to notice her mm-hmm. there's this girl with like this like electric like purple hair just like nice. on the right side of the frame. And it's like, hey, what what's going on with her? Can we follow her instead of these characters? Purple Widow. Yeah. I kept thinking like you need like that mysterious character to show up at this funeral, you know? Like you need your your Black Widow or what have you. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a turnout. Claire Hotchkiss is there like reading people. Seems relieved to see Caitlin. She's like, oh, Caitlin. And they hug. And when they pull back, Claire's like, m- like managing those emotions. And Claire's like, mm-hmm. you should sit up front. That's what... uh. No one would have wanted it. So she kind of like, came like just like t- nods and like touches Claire's arm and proceeds towards the front of the chapel, followed by Dylan, followed by Ava, who Claire just kind of gives like a polite nod to. Um, I would have thought more considering how much she like definitely noticed the hand holding in the photo last time, but whatever. She's grieving. You think, uh, uh, you think Claire's grieving? I really wonder about Claire in this episode. Like, uh, Claire really has it together. Like, really. Kelly Rutherford is great in this episode. Um, so like once once Ava's like passed and out of Claire's sight, Ava like looks back, like just maybe hoping that she would have gotten more recognition from her or, or wondering something about this poor mother who's lost both both her children seemingly. So the church is like a big fucking, I don't know what you call it in a church, like a stage area. There's like a casket propped up there. There's like a bronze eagle thing the above dais? it. There's, is that the dais? I don't know. It's a coffin. I don't, I don't know where they do the Holy Spiriting. Um, there's like an awkward looking photo of like Nolan smiling. Again, I think it's probably from the Welcome Back party. It's uh, presumably not an open casket because they just couldn't get the actor for this episode. Yeah. 
um, casket. Yeah, which I mean, you know, he got like like essentially he got like pronged in like the belly. So it's like you could clean that up. You could just put a suit over that. It's fine. Yeah, as long as no one like pokes some, him, like put some putty on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, as long as you're not like having people poke him in the gut or, you know, like they would do with Jesus' hands. Um, so Caitlin sees this, she feels some pains of sadness. Dylan's there and comforts her a little bit. I would think Dylan would be emotionally overcome as well. So they go and they sit, and Ava like gets up there and she sees all this like deaf pageantry, and it's like she's about to Ava's start. Ava's making this about her. She's like, oh, I need to have a moment here and everyone needs to see it. It's like it's like Ava is like she's seen PLL and she hasn't decided if she's Emily at her worst or Hannah or Ari at her most extra, but she's maybe gonna do all three. Um, so she's about to like start like rage crying, and like Caitlin reaches over from her pew and takes her hand, gives her like a squeeze, you know, from the sea, kind of like letting her know she's not alone. And Ava's reaction is almost like whatever. So she sits with I feel them. Like we should mention that all these shots are very reminiscent of various funerals that we saw in PLL. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, it's it's almost like a PLL trope of like yeah. ridiculous funeral attire. Yet again, I would say Dylan and Caitlin's outfits make sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Ava's outfit. That might be the most bonkers fucking thing I've ever seen someone wear on PLL. I'm not even joking. This is a massive church, by the way. It's a massive church. I mean, this is crazier than like a like a skirt made of ties. I need one of them to walk out, and it's a uh, it's like a tiny little chapel in the middle of the prairie. I kind of go, ooh, when they like Slash starts playing a solo. Yeah. <laughs> His guitar's not plugged in. It's from, okay. We're still chasing that high from those three GNR videos. So, CD yeah, You millennials just don't understand. That's all I'm saying. No, because even the people who are only 10 years younger than us or like 30 years younger than us, we're, we're bitter old men in the, screaming in the dark. Um, so, elsewhere at the funeral is Allison. She's like in a conservative kind of navy dress. She's joined by Mona wearing a black ensemble with like a big glitter disco bow on the front of it. It's it's kind of adorable. It's like this like diamond encrusted bow. Yeah. Yeah. Like she just came from all night at Studio 54 and now she's going to pay her respects. Um, and Mona's like, tell me you didn't show that text to the cops. Also, how are you? <laughs> Allie's She's like, sitting uh, like right next to her too. Yeah. Oh, I love these two. Um, it's like the, the partnership or whatever really gels in this episode. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, yeah. Like, uh, uh, Rizzoli and Isles are like fully together here. Um, Allie's like, I haven't talked to anyone about it, but you, Mona's like, perfect. Turns out there was a partial beacon guard blackout about the time of Nolan's murder. A handful of cameras went out, including the ones near your house. Probably cell service, too. That would explain the Nolan text delay of three to four days. Bottom line, no one could prove you weren't at your house that night. Allison's like, so I don't have an alibi, but I don't not have an alibi. And then Mona says, anyone who says they were at your house that night is safe for now, which, gee, I wonder if that will come up later. Well, Allie should be like, I don't think that's how alibis work, Mona. Yeah. But just what the fuck does that mean? Why did you word it that way? Yeah. Uh, so then we kind of move back to the perfectionists up front. All three of their phones buzz at once. Oh, memories. Uh, they all do the PL thing where they kind of look nervous at each other before they check their phones. And Caitlin says, it's from Mr. Laurentis. Holy shit. I, what for the half fuck? a second. For half a second, I was like, Andrea Parker? Yeah. <laughs> Dylan says, uh, he's like reading, he says, she's around if we want to talk. And he says, yeah, she's left me like a thousand me- messages. None of them think this is weird. Yeah, is this crossing a line? Caitlin, just sh- she's shrugging. She's like, she called me, but eh. Dylan's like, yeah, I never called her back either. 
Kalen's size and they're kind of like trying to be casual. All three of them turn around and look behind him. And Allie gives him this like super bitchy like wave hello about like, you know, 10 piece back or whatever. I feel like they're just they're teasing us with old Allie here. I feel like the younger characters would be talking so much shit about her. Yeah, like, they would They'd be like, in. oh my God, RTA is so fucking extra. Well, like, they're just like, can you believe this TA is like, see you next Tuesday antics? What the fuck? I, I think she wants to be friends. Oh my God. How sad. Like, hey, Michael Scott, take it down a notch, all right? Yeah. Do you think uh, these three can see Mona right now? That's a great question. Uh-huh. Can anyone see Mona? That's what I'm wondering. Uh, Mona's real, right? I'm not just imagining her. <laughs> so then we pan forward right in front of Allie is Jeremy here. And he kind of like does this weird nod and then he like looks down as though he's like just sent Caitlin a dick pic or something. Like mm-hmm. he gives her like th- this weird nod like he's trying to like communicate something. But she seems to like just stare blank faced at him and then turn around. Like I don't know what this reaction is supposed to be. I couldn't tell if he was like... Like, oh, you and I have quite a little secret. Or if he was just like, uh, oh, I'm quite emotionally bum paddled because my girlfriend won't sit with me. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so uh, we go back near the entrance. Uh, Claire Hotchkiss is, she's still like greeting people like she's Amy Dunn in a book reading here. She's just like very cash. Uh, some dude walks up and pauses in front of Claire. He's just waiting to speak. You can just tell he's going to be dramatic right away. He's in tears. He's also very short. He's much shorter than Claire. Uh, and and uh, this guy's. How name, short is he? Is he uh, below you, above you? How short is he? I don't know. I have to check his stats. Uh, okay, check his stats. So yeah. this, this guy's name is Mason, which is annoying. Uh, he says, I'm sorry, Mrs. H. I'm so sorry. Claire says, thank you, Mason. She hugs him. And she says, I know you and Nolan weren't that close this year, but, you know, childhood friends are childhood friends for life. Uh, like, it, what a what an incredibly uh, kind of efficient way of just telling us exactly who this character is you know and, and why he's here also calling someone's mom mrs initial is some real eddie haskell shit yeah she's like i read on i read online that this guy was almost dagger in the cloak and dagger show and then i watched this oh, episode and i, I was like i'm like i'm really glad he wasn't dagger yeah <laughs> that's uh, the nicest thing i can say yeah so he's like oh thank you mrs h for so quickly establishing my name and my connection to nolan uh, then we hear a PA say, uh, could everyone please take their seats? So Claire turns. She guides this dude to a seat. He can't see it, but she's got kind of an annoyed look on her face. Um, I don't know. Like it's, it's weird because she's looking at back at the entrance and then she turns around annoyed. I don't know if we're supposed to really be picking up on this or not because it's it's kind of quick. So Or she just like walked through a fart. Yeah. yeah. Funeral farts. Oof. So she lets him go uh, and he kind of goes up and does his own dramatic stare at the coffin to like wipe some more tears and walk, walk off like a dramatic bitch. And Dylan yeah, sees this. Awful. Dylan is like, like, I feel like there are a couple moments in this episode where like, I'm thinking something and then Dylan says it. Cause Dylan like leans over. He's like, is it just me or is this dude look a little too sad? Like what a pussy. And Caitlin gives him this look like, geez, Dylan. Uh, then the preacher starts in with, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's all dramatic. And, Caitlin, for some reason, forces uh, Dylan and Ava on either side of her to hold hands. The preacher is saying, he maketh me lie down, the sassy fuck boys. He leadeth me to still water. He restoreth my soul. And uh, I guess we're supposed to get that Caitlin's like really feeling this totally original sermon right now. Let me throw this out to the group. Let me, let me take it and twist it. Is Jeremy real? 
I mean, he hasn't interacted with anyone else, so he could certainly not be real. I feel like this is this is going to be the most annoying yeah. thing from us. Uh, I can tell already. It's like theorizing who's not real. But, I, but the well, thing is, the way the way it was written in the books, it was like a Tyler Durden situation where like you could totally cheat if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you could totally be- in a TV show. It's it's different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be the thing that we have to do every fucking episode. But, so but I, even I, in a TV show, I think you could totally cheat. Like you could have a scene with Mona and Allie and they're both talking to someone and then reveal later. Oh no, that was just Allie the whole time. Mona wasn't there, you know? Ooh, spicy. Um, so cut to those dramatic leaves of BHU blowing across the cement walkway in front of the church as we pan up to see the service letting out back inside. Um, we see Dana Booker who's frowning at the program for Nolan's funeral as the perfectionists are walking towards the exit. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, isn't that the editor slash publisher of Ezra's book? No, 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 no. Just looks exactly like her. Yeah. Just looks exactly like her because it's the same actor. Um, and she's like really studying this, this program. Like, oh, I wonder if they printed this on campus or like off campus. What did this cost in short notice? So Ava sees her first. She's like disgusted. I almost loved Ava for a second. So like, you know, Booker adapts his immediate bitch face. And Ava comes up. She's like, Dana Booker, you were even more of a lowlife than I thought. Not the same FBI agent from the pilot BT dubs because uh, I don't know if you're su- supposed to assume that it is because that FBI agent was absolutely polite and took no for an answer. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that really. short scene. But Ava continued is like, uh, I can't believe you would take advantage of my grief to grill me one more time. But was like, I'm so sorry for your loss, Ava, even though as far as, as I would know, you have no connection to Nolan whatsoever. Why would but you be sh- so sorry? Yes. I don't know. I guess you just say that at a funeral. But you should know that I'm no longer with the FBI. And Ava's like, excuse me? And Caitlin like kind of saunters up and she's like, hey, is everything okay? And Booker's like, things are far from okay. A student was murdered. And Dylan says, douche chill. <laughs> you really needed to. Funeral. We know what's going on. <laughs> student was murdered. No, douche chill. Oh, shit. Who? <laughs> Who was murdered? Oh, no one was? Fuck. I was just at his funeral. I still am. She gets uh, such a Wilden line here. She's like, but rest assured, as BHE's new head of security, I will find out who killed Nolan Hotchkiss. Even though that really is more of a police matter. <laughs> also, why would you tease Austin Otto and the marketing of the show and then cast someone who is integral to that storyline? Caitlin's just like, wait, aren't you the publisher of Austin Otto? That shithole book. <laughs> You're a rent-a-cop now? That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so it was still in the FBI in the middle there. Were you actually like not a publisher, but just an undercover FBI agent and a sting to bust noted pedophile Ezra? I, I really need somebody to be like, like, because she keeps introducing herself as head of security. And they're like, oh, rent-a-cop. And she's like, head of security, BHE. And they're like, yeah, rent-a-cop. Well, uh, Allison, like, when I hear head of security, I wouldn't go there immediately unless I was wanting to be an insulting dick. But Allison later on is like, should I call you officer? Yeah. <laughs> you have a little fake badge? Yeah. Ooh. Um, they give you a segue? Well, well, so wouldn't... I have this later in my notes, but, like, wouldn't Beacon Guard prohibit the need for this role? Like, wouldn't her presence then say that Beacon Guard is, like, unnecessary or obsolete or flawed? I feel like you're just beginning, like, a Philip K. Dick novel right now, you know? So, but, like... 
this this is well outside the jurisdiction of a salaried employee whose primary job should be like making sure that no one's like starting up like face mash in their dorm room or whatever. Yeah. Um, but Booker's like, and I promise they will be brought to justice after the tirade the bros just went on. Um, so like Dylan looks like he's like thinking about lunch, which sounds yummy. Caitlin like tilts her head back like she's trying to look like she's taking this serious. Ava's face is screaming, bitch, I will cut your face off. Ava has the fucking crazy eyes right now. I I, I want to like Ava. And anyway, um, so Booker takes off, leaving these three to stew in the intrigue. And we cut back to like this heavy, like boom of a door closing. Um, a lot of unnecessary dramatic entrances and exits from Booker. That's going to be her. What did you think of Booker? Um. There's not enough here yet. You know what I mean? Like it's it's too much like – I think a lot of this episode is like echoing, like tone poem echoing of PLL. And so it's like you're supposed to get this Wilden slash Tanner vibe. I, mean, I get much more of a Wilden totally than a Tanner. Like, like, well, she does seems straight up, she does straight of, up Columbo later. Yeah, but it's like – I don't know. Like she's rude I guess is the only – like it seems like she wants people to know that she's in up in their shit. And like she wants him to be uncomfortable. It's like Tanner was kind of always just kind of polite intrigue, you know, like like Tanner was never like rude or mean to somebody. But Booker seems like she's just not a nice person. Tanner was very good about building this like mousetrap around you through yeah. like polite like dis- discourse. And then you would under you would like underestimate her and then you would realize, oh, shit, I just stepped in it, you know. There's not a lot of Russian gangs. Booker, happening. Booker seems like she wants to power trip on you and like bask in her ability to do so. Yeah. But I guess, I guess I would need to see her fuck somebody's parent to like let go of a charge to see where it really falls there. But, uh, um, meanwhile, back at the uh, student union, um, get an exterior where you see the Cochrane hall sign outside inside. Ava's like getting lunch with Dylan and Caitlin. Uh, Ava is, uh, doing the Hannah move where she's like spiking her coffee, like a splash of whiskey. And she's just like, I can't believe that bitch is in beacon Heights as she drinks her Irish griffiato. Um, Dylan's like, who is she? And Ava and the kind of ADR line is like, Dana it's, a, Booker. it's a total ADR. Line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the uh, assembly here. That's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, then she's like, she's one of the FBI agents in my dad's case. <laughs> she thinks I know where he is. Um, and so this somehow this like totally normal assumption is a great affront to Ava. And Dylan's like, well, do you? And he was like, no. And Kane's like, why leave the FBI to become a school cop? I mean, are they paying any better? And Dylan's like, well, it's not just any school. This is BHU. Kane's like, yeah, but still. Also, it's, I know it's the first ever homicide in town, but like, I don't know, Beacon Guard? I don't know, whatever. Um, so Ava's like, and if Miss Hotchkiss empowered her to do Whatever it takes to find Nolan's killer, she's going to get off on bending all the rules. None of us are safe. She'll use whatever she can against us. So not only will she bend the rules, Ava is saying, she'll get off on it. I mean, I do get that sense from Booker so far is that she seems to enjoy getting get under people's it. skin, not because it's necessary, but because she can. Mm-hmm. And she gets off on it. Yeah. Yeah. By my calculations, she gets off on it. Um, so Caitlin's like suddenly disgusted. And she's like, you mean our secrets? Great. Yeah, she'll have access to everything. Nolan's phone, his computer. I really hope that our secrets have died of, with Nolan. And this is naive as fuck, Caitlin. You're supposed to be the smart one. Like, justice is the name of how naive you are here. Why did you think 
that the phone wouldn't be gone through by the police. Yeah, seriously. Shit. I think they might start there. <laughs> seriously. They have people who can get into that shit, you know. Um, so Dylan's like, no one was smart, all right. He couldn't make it easy for his mom to find out he was black. He waits for people to walk by and lowers his voice. And he's like, blackmailing people. And he was like, I know where he kept his weed. This is where Dylan needs to be like, well, fuck me. I guess it was true love. <laughs> or he's just like, girl, are you saying we should smoke? Uh, she's like, maybe that's where he kept his stash of secrets. So Caitlin does an eyebrow raise. Dylan's like, we could break away from the weight tonight. He was like, look in the greenhouse. Claire used to grow her roses with Taylor. She doesn't really go there anymore. It's behind a broken cinder block. And she like rises to leave. And Caitlin's like, um, Ava, you're not coming with us. And he was like, well, they're your secrets, not mine, you bitches. Um, in your face, off. Caitlin and Dylan. Yeah. Well, hey, those red solo cups aren't going to stack themselves, yo. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, cut to some papers hanging from like a, a cable or string or something. It's Mona's place. She's got more math everywhere. Uh, she's uh, coming in back from the funeral with Allie. I like how Allie and her just like hang out now constantly. Mm-hmm. 14C is her room so this isn't a house then i guess or uh, i would presume this would be like an apartment you think she'd have like an actual apartment who even knows i mean uh, is this probably on campus right i don't even know yeah does the head of admissions or just somebody in the admissions office usually have on-campus housing is beacon heights like just this college maybe uh so ali's just like why me i mean why would nolan trust me Mona says, well, you said it yourself. You came here to help these kids, and he believes you. For some reason. Yeah. Mona <laughs> says it like she, even she can't believe her own bullshit. And Allie says, or somebody's trying to frame me for his murder. Which seems much more likely. And Mona's like, well, that is a possibility. And Allie's just thinking, fuck. And Mona brightens up. She says, want to stay for pie? Allie, okay. All right. Whenever Mona invites you to stay for pie, you say, absolutely, yes, I will stay for pie. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. Sorry. Always. Uh, Allie says, no, Mona. Classes resume tomorrow, and in spite of everything, I really need to be prepared. Mona's just like, oh, yeah. She's clearly disappointed. Allie's like, are you going to be okay? Mona says, sure. Why wouldn't I be? Allie says, I know in the past we've been more frenemies than friends, but I want to know, or I want you to know that Mona cuts her off. She says, are you trying to say that you care about me? And Allie's Mm -hmm. just like, sort of. And Mona just like beams like the sun, like she's so happy. Mm. And Allie's like, I know how easy it is for you to go down that rabbit hole and not come back. Mona kind of glances down like she's feeling that one. And Allie says, so I need you to stay connected to reality and to people. And Mona's like, I have a life, Allison. But do you? I love that she she says it in a two shot where you can see all of her crazy math stuff on the wall Mm -hmm. behind there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a life, Allison. (laughs) <laughs> Mona says I play chess every night with the most brilliant opponent I could ever ask for me <laughs> no the camera pans over to a chessboard on the kitchen table and Allie in her mind is saying you know okay first of all holy shit that is not a life yeah. uh, but then out loud she says uh, that's great who's the guy or girl do you think that's like a the little subtle like Mona could be by hint there well yeah but also tell me what Allison actually knows about Mona yeah really also, has has Allison not heard us talking about how there's definitely a sexual element to Mona's obsession of her? 
Like they were in that Lostwood in like Lostwood resort hotel room together for at least a night. Uh-huh. Like there's one point where like Mona's certainly caressing Allison's hair. And it's like, I want Allison to be like, bitch, I know you ain't exactly straight. <laughs> yeah. So Mona says, uh, you know, who's the guy or girl? Mona says, I don't know. And Allie frowns like, huh? And Mona says, it's an online game. I play through an anonymous campus chess club. Okay, 100%. It's Taylor Hotchkiss, right? It seems very, very likely. Yeah. Allie says, I'd offer to play with you in person, but and Mona says, you'd lose and smirks at her. And Allie just kind of smiles. She says, okay, Mona, have a good night. Mona smiles as Allie goes, uh, but then she kind of looks forlornly at the chessboard again and does a little sad slouch. I absolutely would love a remake of the the erotic chess scene from the original Thomas Crown Affair, but with Allison and Mona or Taylor. Yeah. As where we are recording this, uh, Joseph Doherty just posted a thing on Instagram of the uh, Time for Pie uh, neon sign from PLL. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, later was almost certainly B-roll from the pilot. You know, see people in dress attire walking up to the Hotchkiss Mansion, mansion roundabout. Um, there's more B-roll, B-roll of the reflecting pool. You, you can, can literally see you can see Mona yeah. far in the background. Like that's her that's her like kind of maroon dress that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hilarious. <clears throat> what if there's two Monas there? Double Mona. I'm just, uh, I'm so, just waiting for somebody on the PL subreddit to just be like, theory. It's oh, Bethany Young somehow. Oh god damn it. I'm gonna go sneeze blood because you said that. You know, I was reading a, a a decent theory where it was like Taylor Hotchkiss killed Nolan because she didn't want him to like go ask for help or whatever, you know. So she like used her like hacker skills to like black out the uh, security. And it's mm-hmm. like I-, I can't remember if it was the person who had the theory or somebody else, but they're like, and she's secretly Bethany Young. And I'm just like, oh fuck me. God damn it. You just ruined it. Yeah. Just ruined my Taylor excitement. Um also, like for, just for example, we haven't seen Professor Granger. No. There is a professor. Also, I just, I just want to point he out. just entered the professor. Bethany Young is dead. She was literally the actual body from the pilot. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one else is Bethany Young. She dead. Mm-hmm. She's so dead. Girl's dead. And and uh, together, <laughs> Melissa and Mona killed her. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so we're cutting like a small park location that might actually be entirely green screen from all the close like flat shots in it. I couldn't tell if this was like related to like Nolan's little escape into the woods from the the mansion but dylan huffs you know does his tie as like hayden follows like snacking on food from a plate in her hand and she's like you okay and like he's like oh the air was heavy in there you know it felt like i was being buried alive one shovelful of dirt at a time drink for that PLL reference well how great it would be if we just like cut to allison and she's just like rolling the fuck out of her eyeballs at this like you don't know about being buried alive yeah Try having your mom bury you alive while you cry. Um, so Ken like shrugs and she's like, well, the buffet was a welcome distraction. Did you try the shrimp? And he's like, how do you eat when people are so sad? You're like Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven. And she's like, free shrimp. Grief, yeah, grief and food go together. Like this, like, like forced pop culture reference about Beyonce and Jay-Z. You should read Death Warmed Over by Lisa Rojak. It's a great book about funeral foods and, and, and customs from around the world. The first funeral. And he was like, I got it from my pen pal, Spencer Hastings. And he's like, okay, I will put it on my summer reading list. Not. Now can we go find like Nolan's stash? So she nods. They walk on. They're just about to walk into like the green screen when like the super loud noise of a stick breaking behind them. It's Mason. He's still weepy AF. 
and like Dylan's like, shit, your ex is here. So like Mason walks over. They just over, said like, shit. I'm yeah. free for him. Yeah. I guess he can say shit now. What the fuck? I'm trying to remember what other show. Maybe it is Cloak and Dagger. They drop a shit every now and then. I feel like PLL could have used a few of those. Oh. Oh my God. Well, okay. Question. Oh shit, Spencer. I'm totally tripping balls. What was in those gummy bears? Who would be the first character that you would write an explodome to the mouth of? I mean, all of them. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd go with Hannah first. Hannah would be a good one, yeah. Hannah or Spencer? I don't know. Spencer. Arya would be would funny, be like, but I think Hannah and Spencer are the most likely. Yeah. Spencer's like, mad. Um, so Mason walks over, like, like killing the vibe, so they can't go look for Nolan's weed. That's a real sentence that we just said out loud. Um, he's going to assume that I'm going to assume that Mason was also one of Nolan's lovers until I hear otherwise. Well, so, yeah, seriously. He's he does love Jam. Well, also, yeah. so Nolan's best friend dated Caitlin before Nolan did. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I assume they're going someplace where, like, Nolan stole her away from this dude. But, like, I feel like that would be more coded into this interaction. Yeah, you'd think. Also, or, we've got... Unless he, like, blackmailed Mason into taking a step back. We've got a, a Nolan, a Mason, and a Dylan. Just, what the fuck, man? What are you doing to me? Uh, I'm at the point now in my office rewatch where it's like the fucking like Andy, Aaron, Gabe love triangle, which I don't know if I care less about that or like a Mason, Nolan, Caitlin love triangle. I don't know. Hey, I Andy, just, I'm just saying back. the names themselves. It's too many, too many unnames, you know, Dylan, Mason, Nolan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Caitlin's like, oh, Mason. Hi. And he's like, big goofy smile. Like, hey, Kate, how you holding up? And she's like, um, every day's a challenge. <laughs> yeah so mason's like yeah i don't know how to stop thinking about him and dylan's like well try the shrimp see dylan's like Caitlin, he's getting in those little shots yeah i mean i want more of this like really like like cello boy like assert yourself yeah uh, ask yourself what would he like hash do uh so caitlin bites her tongue whacks dylan behind his back <laughs> mason's like uh can we just hang out for a little bit and they're like what <laughs> they're just like oh really Mason's like not as two people who dated just friends super awkward dude super awkward she's like oh and she's like kind of trapped she turns to Dylan just like if you want to check out the view without me I'll catch up or you could make an excuse and rescue me from this forced interaction and Dylan making stank face is like yeah all right I'll see you guys later you have fun you two um so Mason nods at him and Dylan walks off and like Caitlin Mason like takes seats on this like bench near how would Dylan know that Caitlin's this guy's Caitlin's ex yeah, it must have just come up. Yeah, and, and they've been fake friends, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, presumably he's a student at the school, though if you've seen the thing from next week, Mason joins their class. Sure. Um, and Ava flips the fuck out on him because he picks the wrong seat, and uh, I'm sure Mason can drastically misread the, and then there were none as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Caitlin is like that's in the bench, and Mason's just like, I just can't imagine a future without Nolan. What the fuck? Uh, he found a way to push us to all our limits. And Caitlin's like, I mean, that wasn't always a good thing. When we were together, you two didn't see, you didn't seem thrilled to be his number two. And he's like, Psh, yeah, no one was always going to be number one at everything he did. You know, you and I both know that. I just learned to accept it, which that is bleak. Also, I had this giggle because I thought to myself, no one always comes first. 
<laughs> I am a child. Um, so Caitlin's like shrugging up a laugh. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I could be that big of a person. I'm way too competitive. You know, she kind of elbows him playfully. And he's like, you? Competitive? I never would have guessed. And she's like, okay, simmer down. So she smiles. Oh, man, I would <laughs> chew my own fucking arm off to get away from this awful conversation. Yeah? Yeah. It's just, it's so painful. And also, like, is it just me? Maybe it's just the PLL familiar familiarity. Um, I'm getting a real Nate St. James, James vibe from this guy, right? Mm. Is it Nate mm. St. James? Nate St. James. It's right? Nate St. Germain. Is it Nate Lyndon St. James? Lyndon James. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Lyndon King Baby James mm. and Nate St. Germain. He's doing that same thing where he's just like, I have to like relate everything to our shared grief and I just want to talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what, so, what do you want? <laughs> like, just out with it. So is, meanwhile, is like Jeremy going to like very politely kick a trash can? <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to obliterate this, this refuse. Hmm. Uh, so meanwhile, like Dylan's like sneaking into the greenhouse. It looks fairly abandoned. Cobwebs, dead plants, pots all over. Um, he finds a dried up plant labeled Rosa Taylor. Why is it uh, labeled Rosa Taylor? I don't know if they're just like naming the roses or who the fuck knows. It's Taylor's um, roses. So Rosa Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just got that. Yeah. That's dumb. Um, or maybe it's brilliant. Yeah. So snooping around, he begins to pull out a cinder block underneath, uh, back to Mason and Caitlin. Mason's like, you love to win more than most. I do remember that. I seem to exist only to state your character traits back to you. Hi, we apparently dated. I don't know if we shared fluids, but we've dated. Hi, but you've also, got a rem- big heart. Yeah. You always find a way to make me feel special. So if there is anything you need, please let me know. Okay. And she's like, you're something I need. I need you to get the fuck out of here. I need you to go right now. And she's like, walk in that direction and don't stop. Look, it's about 30 feet to that reflecting pool. I need you to give me about 40 feet. Just walk 40 feet. Um, And so she's like, oh, thanks, Mason. He's like, no, I mean it, Kate. Anything. You know, if you need an alibi for where you were that night, I will back you up. And she's like, record scratch? Oh, but why would I need an alibi? And the the music does like this big bass boom and the piano tinkles. It really makes you. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's sketchy. He shrugs. He's like, well, we all do. They figured out who killed him. And so she's like, well, this just got weird and awful. Is he like hinting? Like, is this the worst hinting? Like, hey, I need an alibi, by the way. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. This dude. I mean, I, he's clearly the new suspect, right? But it, it can't be him because he wasn't in the pilot, right? I don't know. It's, well, it seems like it shouldn't be. How long before Cece showed up after that night? Yeah, I know. But at uh, least at least like Mona was in the pilot, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows, man? By my calculations, they could be throwing out all the rules. Mm-hmm. Here's By my, my here's calculations, my they could be dangerous. Yeah. So my, my theories were, number one, at the start of the episode, I was like, maybe Ava. That'd be fun. Then I was like, maybe Jeremy. Well, that'd be interesting. Then I was like, what if it was all of them? Don't ask me to explain. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what if it was Claire? So I'm taking all of those. <laughs> so back in the greenhouse, we get a shot from behind the center block as Dylan pulls out, pulls it out, pulls it out. Uh, the mystery score is like really throbbing now. Oh, this is really sexual. Uh, inside the hidey hole, uh, inside the hole. Uh, I just, just, I just want you to picture favorite. like, this is Mason's stash, right? So every time that guy wants to, like, I don't know, have to smoke a joint Nolan or whatever. Stash. Nolan, Nolan's stash, sorry. So every time no. Nolan wants to, like, smoke a joint, he's got to, like, leave his house and, like, walk across his property to the greenhouse and, like, get his stash out. Like, that seems like a lot. Here's, here's, I can, I can punch two holes that would defeat the whole thing. 
Number one, he's rich. Number two, he's white. <laughs> number three, well, this used to take place in, in Washington State. <laughs> I don't know what. I guess in Portland and Oregon, they're cool about the pot, right? It's legal. I had no idea whether it was. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, so Dylan pulls this note out, and it says, uh, I found what you're looking for. Who knew you were so naughty? Wouldn't it be funny if uh, Claire left this for Nolan? Like she just found yeah. his weed. Yeah. And never intended uh, it to be sin- sinister at all. Yeah. Is this the handwriting from, from PLL? Is this the A handwriting? I don't uh, think so. I was I was thinking about that and I was like, well, it's a whole different like art team, so probably not. Yeah, it doesn't look like it to me. So oh shit. Bass is throbbing again, lots of throbbing. Some some pop music starts playing as we cut to like the montage of the candlelight vigil. Oh my god, Ava. Oh, her look. She's dressed like a fucking fortune teller. Like a she, stereotypical fortune she teller. She has this really bizarre kind of like gold beanie looking turban? turban thing. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like she looks like she should have a crystal ball in front of her. It's so. Well, it's like she's the like, fashionable one. Okay. I I feel so shitty for all the hard times that I gave Arya's fashion. Oh, God, I mentioned it in front of Lucy Hale, didn't I? God damn it. I feel like a monster. I need to write some uh, apology notes. Yeah. Anyway, that was probably not going to happen. So students are like drifting up to the fence where Nolan died with their candles. Um, You think the blood's still on there? Uh, They probably got out the old uh, power washer on that thing. I mean, murder scenes, those are kinky. Yeah. They huddle close. Some people are crying. Uh, we see a pile of candles and cards and photos and the BHU teddy bear for Nolan. I like and the Caitlin, teddy bear. Yeah. Caitlin and Dylan walk up together with candles and Ava spots them like sneers, straight up sneers, maneuvers to walk with them. And she's like, wow, you guys are really going to go all going all out with this grief show. I you didn't find Nolan's stash. And like Dylan's like speaking low from the corner of his mouth. And he's like, yeah, well, someone beat us to it. All right. And they knew we were coming. Um, so like they're slipping through the crowd and some students are still talking low and Ava's like, now we have no secrets, no shirt, no shoes, no service. And Caitlin's like, Ava, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. What the fuck does that even mean? Uh, Yeah. So she's like, are you drunk again? Yeah. Ava says, I don't know. Have you been plotting any murders lately? It's like, Mm -hmm. bitch, you were there too. Also, there are people like inches from us. Like, Like we're like rubbing junk on each other this this uh candlelight vigil is so close quarters yeah caitlin says listen someone beat us to nolan's stash so you better pray that he had nothing on you because if he did you're about as screwed as we are and then we hear a, a male voice kind of half whispering and says it's just like you imagined it and it's like you, you can hear on the audio it kind of moves from the left channel to the right channel and so it's kind of like passing by and ava turns around alarmed she's like what and they all look around they're surrounded by students but none of them really stand out Caitlin's kind of whispering, like, did you guys just hear that? Ava's like, who the fuck said that? Uh, there's no one there. And Ava just scoffs as the score builds to a big crashing crescendo and cut to black. This seems like more of a thing to, like, obsess over to me. I just, you know, you mean, you mean, diegetically speaking or like for, yeah, for his fans? Yeah. Uh, both, but especially diegetically. Like, they're kind of casually like, let's go back to the woods where he plotted the murder. I guess tangentially related to this whisper, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like the headphones I was listening to the episode on are like studio monitor, so I can hear really well. It's definitely a male voice. They're half mm. whispering. I 
knowing PLL as I do, like, I don't think this is the real actor. No, of course. You know, whoever it would be, you know, like, I'm sure this is just like, like a random, like, voice person. So it's hard to get too obsessed over, like, oh, who could that be, you know? I remember they did that in, um, yeah, I'm not your, your Red John show. You've told it before. No, I was, it's Nip Tuck that did that. I think you told that one too. No, oh, okay. Well, thank you for reminding me of that, even though you got it wrong. Uh, so later under the blue moon, owls are hooting. Off screen, we hear Ava say, what are we looking for? Caitlin off screen says, someone heard us that night. Maybe they left something behind. So they're back in the forest there where they met to talk about killing Nolan before he died. And Dylan's like, they heard us talking about Nolan. Sure. And Ava's kind of mournful. And she's like, about how he wished he was dead. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, and I keep thinking, like, was grieving Emily ever this annoying? Uh, this is almost an Emily's scene. We're in the woods. Twigs will start Yeah, snapping. really. Emily must uh, be nearby. Yeah, uh, Caitlin's like, and they killed him just like we imagined it to make it look like it was us. Like, and that twig snaps. They all gasp and like, like turn towards the noise. We hear some rustling, um, like POV handheld shot as the camera pans around the dark forest, but there's nothing there. Um, and it was like, wow, paranoid much? Well, there, there you see a little Bambi taking a shit. That's what it was all along. It's just a deer. Do you actually see it taking a shit? It seems like it's like it's doing the leg thing, like it just took a shit. Okay, like it's like shaking off a of shit. Like it's I mean, like, like covering see, up, you know. You don't actually like see like fecal matter leaving the the bum, do you? Like I don't know. Like go that, frame by frame. Do it frame by frame. Let's yeah. do it. No, let's, let's crack this um, open. So like, it's like damn free form. That's adult. <laughs> <laughs> so she's trying to play it cool, but Caitlin's nerves are a, a bit frayed. Yeah, um, and man, Ava sure is being snotty here, you know. <laughs> So they, they're looking around. Uh, Dylan finds some trash on the ground. He leans down to pick it up. He says, we're definitely not alone that night. He holds up a paper to Caitlin. She snatches it away, and they all kind of lean close to examine it. Caitlin's like, what is it? And we see a close-up of uh, Wally's extra spearmint chewing gum. And Caitlin's like, gum wrappers. And he was like, great. So we can rule out students with braces. That's fantastic, Dylan. Thank you. We're on a roll. And Dylan's just like, bitch, were you all this negative? And I just didn't realize. And then she says, Paint me dark, Dylan. I really don't care. What a line. Paint me dark. Who the fuck talks like that? I think I need to start talking like that from now on. Well, is this before or after you're like, so, clink, clink of ice. Did they ever find your dad? (laughs) Paint me dark, Marco. I really don't care. (laughs) Paint me dark like one of your dark French girls. (laughs) It's like she's, she's halfway to like a Veronica from Riverdale, but like she doesn't commit. Yeah, well, she's just like, I don't care about you or about you or about anything really right now. Honestly, I don't even know what I'm doing out here. And she turns to leave, then Dylan reaches out to stop her. He's like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And she kind of reluctantly turns back. And he's like, I'm sorry. I don't know why you're apologizing, Dylan, but sure. He says, look, I get that this is harder on you than it is for us for some reason. And Caitlin nods, just like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, do this real talk. Do your thing, Dylan. And Ava says, I just can't believe he's gone. And Caitlin's just like, we know, Ava. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> Dylan says, we can just stick together. And Ava says, there is no sticking together, Dylan. You've got Andrew. I don't know how, why I know your boyfriend's name, but I do. And uh, and then Caitlin, and you've got your family. And Caitlin's like, do I? Have they been cast yet? Who's my family? <laughs> Ava says, and I've got me. And she's just nine to herself. Like, she just dropped the ultimate truth bomb. She says, and that's just the way it is. So that's things will never change. Some things will never change. Yeah. 
So she takes off, leaving these other two to feel, I feel like unjustifiably bad about themselves, you know? Like Ava she, Jalali, life of the party. Yeah. Um, like, again, beyond the dream sequence, made of shots of the pilot, I feel like the stuff of Dylan worked a little bit better if we could tell that he was secretly still carrying that torch for Nolan. Also, could the does the gum wrapper have to only be from that night? <laughs> I guess who else would be out there, you know? In the woods? I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, you if, know who likes uh, spearmint gum, though? Ooh, yeah. Gotta keep that fresh breath when you're an A. Um, meanwhile, back at the student union, Allison is like refilling her coffee cup. It's like nighttime still. So she turns back to the table she was working at. And there's Dana Booker, like looking at photos of Ali's kids on her tablet. And Allison's like, what the fuck? That's just and not then, cool. You don't just pick up someone else's shit like that. You don't. Yeah. This is why we have lock screens. Um, Allison's like, can I help you with something? And Booker's like, these girls are adorable. Are they your daughters? And Allison's like, it's complicated. <laughs> um, Allison takes the tablet. Like, well, I gave birth to them, but uh, well, you might want to sit down. <laughs> Genetically, we're not sure, but also, let's talk about Ren. Let's rewind. Their father's a, a diamond now. <laughs> Where is that diamond now? I wonder. Is it on the run with like uh, Twinster? I wonder. Maybe Mona has it. Oh, that would be so good. If like later on, like Mona's like building a laser and the diamond's like the final component. Mona, Mona had, she did have a diamond encrusted bow earlier. <laughs> She's just like, this one's Ren. Oh shit. Like all of the dead characters <laughs> this one's from Wilton. PLL. Yeah. <laughs> this one's Garrett? Toby. That's right. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Mayor Toby. Um, which I am going to make canon now. I'm stamping it. It's official. I know we don't hear about the it. Lopes, huh? <laughs> that's that's the Rosewood Observer's headline. Mary so Lopes. <laughs> just him with a chair. <laughs> so Alice takes the tablet back, gives her like a Booker a neutral stare. Um and she's like, Oh, I recognize you from the funeral. And Booker's like, I'm Dana Booker. They shake hands and she's like, Oh, Alice and the other I'm and Booker says, New TA in the lead lit department. You took over Taylor's class. And Allison kind of nods, she's frowning. And she's like, are you friends of the Hotchkiss family? And Booker says, I'm the new head of security for BHU. I'm saying it like it's important. Oh, you're a Renicop. Like, I don't know why there wasn't one before. Um, and Allison's like, oh, I Maybe guess they got could- fired because Nolan died. <laughs> Maybe. It's a glaring error. Uh, Allison's like, oh, I guess you picked the wrong week to start a new job. And Booker's like, or the right one. So she gives Allison like a real bitchy smile. And Allison does that aria eye narrow again. And Allison's like, hmm, um, yeah, if you'll excuse me, I have to get ready for class tomorrow. And Booker's like, oh, sorry to interrupt the flow of knowledge. And then like Booker pretends to walk away and suddenly. See, Booker's whole vibe is just condescension. Yeah. Well, she's like, she like does like the Columbo thing and she flips back around and she's like, sorry again. One more thing. I knew there was a reason I wanted to talk to you. I just got sidetracked by your gorgeous girls. See, and Allison's like, to me, it doesn't work because she's been, she's been fairly kind of like low key rude in the first half of the scene. Like, even though she's pretending to be nice, it's clear that yeah. she's like power flexing here. And so like, mm-hmm. you, you don't need to pretend, you know, you can just ask. Yeah. So, um, Allison's like, Oh, was it officer Booker? Should I call you officer? And Booker's like, no, you can call me Dana. Now your students recently wrote, like a thousand page papers that were due the next day on Agatha Christie's novel. And then there were none. And Allison's like, yeah, that's right. You got like my syllabus or something. And Booker's like, if I remember correctly, that story is all about murder and whether or not it can be justified. And Allison's like, no, that's not what the story is about. Classic misunderstanding. Apparently 
Uh, maybe there's a different edition that's printed in the Pacific Northwest. And Booker's like, apropos of the times, wouldn't you say? Maybe even inspirational. And Allison's like, well, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. And Booker's like, but no one was in your class. I'd like to read those papers. And Allison's like, what, do you have a search warrant? Booker says, I don't need one. Read the fine print in your faculty handbook. You signed yours, by the way, and checked. <sighs> wow, what a technicality. Yeah. Booker, <laughs> Booker then gives this like fake smile and laughs. Like she just didn't try to flex on Allison and threaten her. And Allison shackles with like this fakest smile ever. And she's like, yeah, I have those files on my, my desktop. So Booker's like, has to nod at this. Like, ooh, I've been outmaneuvered. <laughs> Logistics. <laughs> you don't have your desktop here. I could just follow you to your place. It's like, what, like a two-minute walk? Um, Booker's like, no worries. I know where to find you. So they like stare at each other for a while. So well, when she says that, this. she's like, I know where to find you. And then just kind of stares at her. Like, read into that everything I want you to read into. Here's what I want. I want Booker to be like, here's what we're going to have you do. Go home. Sit at your computer. Pull up the files. And just leave the screen on for like 10 seconds. I have omnipotent cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. We see you when you're pooping. Um, Booker's like, well, good luck tomorrow. And she leaves. And Allison's thinking like, I'm going to murder you just for fun. It just got, it just got interesting. I, yeah. I don't like Booker. She just seems like a horrible person. She doesn't play it by the book. She just, she, I get like an incredible like vibes of hostility from her with, with everyone she interacts with. Like she wants she wants to get under their skin. She wants to pick a fight with them is like mm-hmm. the vibe I get. So she might be the perfect person. If you were one of the perfectionists, like throw at you. To throw at me like physically. No, just to have uh, antagonize you. And okay. to, she gets some answers because not only will she get those answers, she will get off on getting those answers. Mm-hmm. So back in Ava's huge dorm room. Yes, uh, Ava's got herself like a new fifth of whiskey from a bag at the liquor store there. She plops down in her bed, her phone rings on the nightstand. She taps on it and a voicemail starts playing while she fills up another red solo cup with booze. So question, maybe this is a stupid question. I'm just trying to get a lay of the land here. Is Ava 21 or is she hot? Yes. <laughs> I mean, all these characters are what, like 19, 20, right? That's the other weird thing about. Great question. That's the other weird thing about Andrew and uh, Dylan is like they seem like they're like a, a couple in their early 30s, like kind of the way they're portrayed. Because they're so boring. Oh, you know, it's just like you guys just be like sleeping together and playing Xbox. You know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andrew or not Andrew, uh, Dylan, I just remember from the pilot, he does this thing where he just like really like deflects constantly. Like there was the whole like, uh, Andrew's like, I have kind of a serious concern, a question about this, like cheating and the Dylan or the Nolan, all this stuff. And Dylan's like, well, I promised myself I wasn't going to get serious about anyone when I came to school. So, <laughs> woo. <laughs> well, it's just like, okay, you guys are like 19, 20 years old. You have a dorm room together. You're just, you're making out, you're eating pizza, you're playing your Xbox, like you're having like Smash Brothers tournaments. Like, mm-hmm. act like college kids at least a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get so serious unless, well, I mean, I don't know. I would You're think not like making degree. each other coffee in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a certain degree, like if you're just not able to have someone like you would be like desperate and like, like overblow the, 
the first chance you get when you come to college and you're able to be yourself and have somebody. I don't know. On the other hand, I think like you're between 19 and 22. Just hang out, play some Nerf basketball across the hall and take a few lovers. Um, anyway, so uh, Dylan's on speakerphone. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Ava, uh, it's Dylan. I was thinking about you. What, about what you said tonight and um if you want anybody to you know talk to or whatever i'm i'm in all night so call me if you want i'd rather talk to you than uh andrew we don't really talk we've, we've only just met um they're also the brand of whiskey is storm <laughs> there's a storm coming it's 40 percent. yeah <laughs> Ava I am storm jabs her finger at that phone and it beeps at every touch and then caitlin's voicemail starts playing hey Eva. Eva there, huh? Hey, Ava. It's uh, Caitlin. I know this is a little weird, but I just wanted to say that I am here for you if you need anything. If you don't want to be alone. Okay, bye. If you don't want to be alone. Yeah. And Ava takes a sip of her booze and she thinks about these kind offers and then she curls up on her bed to cry some more. I guess Zoe gave up on calling her. Yeah. Yeah, cut back to Allie. She's coming in. At night, through the front door, she's putting her coat on the rack. It's dark in the living room, and suddenly she's alarmed because she can hear wind whistling through her house. The back door is open. Uh, we get another handheld POV shot, kind of like looking around the room at the open door there. Allie slowly walks into the room. There's another shot from the landing above looking down at her, like could somebody be watching right now. Uh, just as she's peering out the window in the back, a light flicks on, and for some reason on the score, it makes a loud, like, boom, when she does it, you know. Uh, light flicks on, and Allie jumps and spins around, holding her chest in fright. I th- you can actually see her whisper, what the fuck? Uh, and uh, it's Claire Hotchkiss, who's just sitting on the couch in the dark with a rocks glass with some serious scotch in her hand. She says, oh, hi, Allison. I hope this isn't a bad time. Mm. Allie just exhales and collects herself and maybe even more unnerved now that she's had like a second to think about what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to commercial. Uh, Claire Hotchkiss swooping in to take the MVP of the episode crown. She's trying, yeah. Oh, she's got a line here uh, coming up, yeah. Also, you see the bottle there on the table? My question is bring her own booze? Hit Allison's stash. Probably brought her own. Okay. I'm just like, oh, Allison, I noticed that you had a bottle of Storm 12 years in your uh, cabinet left over from Taylor. Let's get let's get messed up on this. Yeah, so after the break. It's like a, a going away to a new job present from Peter Hastings. <laughs> hey, Allison, I know we've had our weird differences, like that time I accosted you when you came back from the dead on the streets of Rosewood at night, but uh, here's a bottle of literally the cheapest booze I could find. <laughs> I wouldn't be caught dead drinking this. Have fun flying across the country. Um, yeah, so after the break, Claire's explaining herself. She really seems pretty collected for having just buried her second child. She like, just buried her second child, her only other child, we this assume. Is same day. This is this episode takes place over, what, like 48 hours? Something like that, yeah. Fuck, yeah. Um, and Claire's like, I know it's inappropriate for me to be here, but... Uh, um, this is my daughter's house before she went missing, before she took her life. I just thought you should know that, especially the last part, wink. Um, Allison's like, oh, I didn't get to speak to you at the funeral. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Hotchkiss. Claire's like, I'm getting drunk in your living room, Allison. You can call me Claire. <laughs> oh, she's That's so an MVP line right there. Yeah, seriously. Uh, and Claire's like, drink? And uh, Allison's like, yeah, man, white Russian. And then uh, Claire says, Ba's over there. 
friend of the cleft asshole. Uh, so yeah, Allie's like, okay. And Claire says, Taylor loved this house. I suppose that's what brought me here tonight to feel closer to her. She kind of blinks saddened and Allie's just like, geez. Uh, Claire says, oh, and we should have had that painted over before they installed the wallpaper. And she points at the, they're watching like written in blood on the wall. It's interesting that she doesn't really call Allie out for ripping the wallpaper off. It's like, she just kind of like lets that sit there with the implication and never addresses it. Claire is either like, so like she's either had like a private investigator give her like a detailed report on Allison's like psychoanalyzed character or she's a little bit psychic in her read of Allison. Yeah. Also, she like, she I, may I, be fucking drunk. Yeah, but I mean, it's all about she's just like, oh, I see you're a lot like me, Allison. You could sense there was some fucked up shit underneath that wallpaper. <laughs> so Allie, <laughs> Allie's like, uh, so did Allie, or, uh, did Taylor write that? And Claire, like, she starts to speak and then she just nervously exhales with a laugh. Like, yeah, maybe this isn't her first drink. And uh, she <laughs> says, when my daughter was younger, she was so put together. Everything came easy for her. sports, grades, love. So who did Taylor love? There's another question. I feel like Taylor could have literally anybody. And then Claire says, and then something changed when she started teaching. She became paranoid about and sometimes delusional. I love that she's telling Allie this, who just started teaching too. And in in the exact same yeah. position. You, it looks just you've like just her. taken the place of my daughter. She went crazy. Let's see how you do. Claire says, I suspected she didn't like her job, but she didn't want to disappoint me. And I, I tried to get her help, but she didn't trust me. She didn't trust anyone, not even Nolan. And Allie says, oh, were they close? And Claire smiles. And she says, they learned very young, two against one were good odds. That's some threesome foreshadowing right there. Like incestuous threesome foreshadowing? Yes. Okay, now we're talking. And Claire laughs and she says, and they stuck together like glue. And that's some worth for foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Uh, Claire says, when either one of them got in trouble, neither would ever turn on the other. And I pretended like it bothered me, but I was so proud of them. She kind of closed her eyes for a wistful smile. She says, made me happy to know that when I was gone, they would have each other. What a weird thing to say. Like you're uh-huh. already anticipating your own death. <laughs> uh, so she looks well, away. You know, bones. Yeah. Blinking back tears. And Claire says, what do they say? People plan. God laughs. And Allie's just like, yeah. She takes Claire's hand and gives it a squeeze and says, is there anything I can do for you? And Claire looks at her and she's like, don't waste your t- pressure. Don't waste your time here pretending to be something you're not. If you really did come in here to help our students, you need to be yourself, your survivor, Allison, at all costs. And that's what you need to teach them. Allie's just thinking like, oh shit, even my boss wants the bitchy old mean girl Allie back. Allison's got to be like, what the fuck does that mean? What the think, fuck are you telling me to do? Claire's just like, I read your file. I, I, I know the real Alice De Laurentiis. He used to be cool. What's this? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just got onto the Netflix and I watched the last season and a half of PLL. Mm, for shame, Allison. For shame. <laughs> yeah, like, like Allison's like, this isn't even the weirdest conversation I've had tonight. People plan. Uh, God laughs. Like this, uh, they're finally like hinting at like a, not finally. I don't mean to sound as as. I have some frustrations of the world of PLL right now. I don't mean to sound as dismissive about what they're building here, but like, this is a storyline potentially that I could be really into. Like, this is the shit I would get my claws into. The, the you're living in her house. You have her job. Yeah. yeah. 
you look just like her. Something was. Cl- I mean, this is a there's well, a Polanski movie called The Tenant, and this is almost exactly that plot line. I, it's, I, it's it's somewhat what we talked about last time. Like all this is working. Um, yeah. The yeah. Ali and Mona and the Hotchkiss stuff feels all of a piece, but yeah. then we just have these three other characters who are like kind of farting around. Well, and we're about to get to the shit that really, really doesn't work. Now I know, like, I've seen a picture. This isn't like a massive. Sp- well, I guess maybe there's kind of a spoiler there. I know something with like a well in the center comes into play later. Like I've seen that picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's like the new Radley. I don't, I don't know. I feel like the, the Taylor stuff though might be where we get some like meat on the bone or I don't know what the vegan metaphor for that is. Some, some, some tofu some on the soy bone. On the, yeah, yeah bone. some soy bombing. Yeah. Oh, let's just get into this nonsense here. So I feel like you're, you're like really suffering in this scene is my vibe that I'm getting from you. I screamed. He screamed, huh? I sat in my house alone and I screamed at the screen. I screamed. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I maybe I'll just correct it and make it better when I read this. Hot like, take. Like, I loved it. Oh, you're you're such trash. So later on, so, Mona's place. She walks in from somewhere. I don't know. Maybe the bathroom. She's drying her hands on a towel. She looks around at all the crazy mass shit on the walls, and it's like she's thinking, "Huh, maybe I overdid it." <laughs> so she grabs her phone and dials. The phone rings and picks up. And we only hear Mona's side of this conversation because uh, they probably couldn't get Benzo for this episode. And uh, and do you, do you want to take it away or should I, you know, ease your suffering you, and do it myself? Why don't you just do it? Mona says, hi. Hi, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you picked up. No, I'm fine. I, ju- I just needed to hear a friend's voice. How are you? How's Caleb? How's the baby? <laughs> Wait, Hannah, back up. What do you mean Spencer and Toby eloped? <laughs> Even you didn't know? Oh, wow. And she sits in her desk chair, settling in. She's feeling better already. I'm disgusted. Mona says, well, are they registered somewhere? Of course. I want to get them a gift. Sorry. Of course I want to get them a gift. It's just so good to hear your voice. I really miss you, too. Or I just, I really miss you. Uh, and then she smiles. We cut away. Uh, so what did you think about this scene? Well, okay, let's let's take the most minor point too. Even if you had Benzo, who wouldn't be on set for a few more episodes to shadow the directing, like you know Hannah's like still a little wary of Mona. Like she's gotta be like, this is fucking weird. Mona's acting totally normal. That's crazy. Eh, this, I don't know about that. This is like when she was like the house guest in the last episode. But it's been like two years or something. Like I feel like be- I feel like you just never going to perceive Mona as normal unless you're like really in close quarters with her every day. Like Allison potentially will be. Um, I could have improved the scene a lot with, uh, if he had it, uh, Ashley Benson, there as Hannah. It'd be funny. Cause Ashley Benson would be the only one who's like transcended all PLL like uh, spinoffs. But, uh, I just, I feel like as a new viewer, the show just said, fuck you. Well, uh- let me let me get to my take on this scene. First of all, the fan service is just it's god awful. It's grown worthy. I mm-hmm. feel like the actual scene, if you ignore the fan service and just kind of like go with what the scene is giving you as far as like Mono's feeling a little untethered, she needed to talk to a friendly voice. I think that works decently, like at the surface level. I think it's more interesting if you dig into the subtext of it though. Um, because it's basically like it's it's kind of depressing. Like Mona, her quote unquote friends are off having these like major life events. And here's Mona. She's alone. She's only hearing about it later. 
she wants to buy Spencer and Toby a wedding present, even though they're not even friends, really. Like, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me a little of, like, of uh, Jonathan and conversations with dead people. You know, it's like, she's like, oh, I want to know how everyone's doing. And it's like, yeah, they don't care about you, though. Like, and, I feel uh, like there was a real pathos to this, and it's it's only there in the subtext. They could have made it more text. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's weird, especially in contrast to the whole thing where it's like, oh, I have a, I have a booming social life of playing anonymous, like sexy chess online. I mean, obviously she doesn't though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, like, I could see a version of the scene where you did have Ashley Benson and it's like, it's like Hannah, maybe she's got like a kid who's like distracting her the whole time and. And she's kind of like saying all this stuff and Mona's not really instead of Mona expositioning constantly through the conversation, Mona's just kind of there, not really a part of it. Just hearing Hannah talk and and then Hannah's just like, oh, sorry, got to go. And Mona's just like, yeah, great. You know, I don't even know if it's neutral enough, though, just to be depicted as she has like it was if you're a new viewer, like, oh, she just has old friends somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It feels a little too specific. And. Let's face it, though, that subtext you're reading to it was not the first thought when crafting this episode. The first thought was, oh, PLL fans. Oh, well, I mean, sure, absolutely. Desperate, but, you know. Desperate for this nonsense. Nonsense. Uh, I'm just looking for my own read on things. Yeah, well, Mona's, thank you. She's too busy guarding <laughs> the mystery to be happy herself, you know. She's mm-hmm. uh, She just wants to hear, hear about her dolls. Yeah, she's she's trapped in a Mona version of the brothers Karamazov. Um, I feel like for their nuptials, Mona will burn one piece of juicy evidence she has on each of them. <laughs> when do we get the bullshit text with Allison and Hannah? We named the the Halo baby. Oh, do we have a Halo baby name? Not, not no, mentioned we don't. Here. Yeah, yeah, not that's mentioned. right. We have a we have an Ezra baby name. That's right. Uh, we'll we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, I mean the the fan service. The fan service part of the scene is just it's grown worthy because it's so forced. It's not natural at all. I I believe in the power that I Marlene King could exert, and I wish that she didn't feel beholden to this. <laughs> like I wish she could be like, Here's you know, like I, for Spoby fans, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I know it's like very uh, declasse to mention Joss Whedon, but what back in the day, there were some truisms that worked there, which is the, uh, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wish that all showrunners would live by that. Cause yeah, it's super important. Like you don't like, I remember she, at one point she tweeted like, Oh, here's what Spoby's up to right now. Like they're having like a romantic dinner or whatever. And it's like, you don't need to keep feeding this obsession that people like, like these fans who are not and kind to you when they don't get their <laughs> Seriously, way. Yeah. Like this well, is just, a abusive relationship. If you're going to drop a PLL reference, like make it not just fan service, make it, I don't know, interesting and dramatic and character building, you know, mm-hmm. like give us, Which, give us that subtext there instead of just making it be like, Hey guys, remember Spoby and Caleb. Well, up until this point, I would say that the thing that is pitch perfect in this, this show has been Mona. Because I, you know, I think you gravitate more towards Alice and I gravitate more towards Mona. But it's like you have shown, not just told us, Mona, that that we need to know. Like the fact that like at the end of her first scene, she's like seemingly talking to herself in the mirror. And even though we kind of figure out what that is, sort of, 
it sets a certain expectation of her. So episode two, when she's like crazy writing math on the wall, like we get that. We, Allison says, I know how you tend to go to these places. It's like, she says in a way, well, we don't necessarily as a new in a way that we can totally get behind. I don't think this scene is out of character for Mona. I just think the writing is really bad because it's 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 super clunky and like forced. forced yeah but it, it I, I don't think it's like oh mona would never do that like like it, it i i get the the general thrust of the scene is that she needs to hear a friendly voice you know yeah yeah it's just no pass it's just rough uh, you, huh it's, it's not, it's not what, what what hurts you the most? Is it just the fan service aspect? It's or a just the fact that, that Spencer and Toby got married? Is that what it really is? Well, that's it's not I'm not overjoyed by that, but it's you know, it doesn't whatever. Spencer can make her own mistakes. Um <laughs> although I should say IRL, like uh I finally have people in my office who've seen PLL. Hmm. So I actually get to have these arguments of people who they're like, Oh, Spoby wasn't bad, and I'm like, he put her in a mental hospital. You fucking live with that. Um, it's mostly the, just the fan service element. I don't think this is needed. I, I Or it definitely could have been written in a much more polished way where you don't need to. Like it could be more generalized. Like you said, she has friends that are elsewhere. And a lot of people, when you go to college, especially have that. Granted, Mona's situation is different because she's not a student. <laughs> she's an employee. You, yeah. But you do have that with people when they move across country. And if they don't connect with new people right away. They miss the people back home. But and she's been there for a year. Hard. At least, yeah. She's been in this job for a year and she's been working for the company for some time before that. It's See, to me, that's why there's great. like there's the unavoidable subtext there. I Rightly, everyone's focusing on the, the cringiness of the fan service, but I, I do think it's an interesting character moment for Mona. I'm kind of curious to see if they continue to steer that way or not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about Mona, too, is at some point you have to make choices because she does exist in all places at all times. And at some point you have to kind of put her feet on the ground. Um, yeah, but just the the like, ooh, goody. I can also give updates on like Caleb and Spoby. Yay. People will love that. It's like, I don't know, man. Are you expecting a medal? You're just you're just feeding a beast that's not been kind to you. I I, I don't like it. I don't. It's like it's Edward and Bella shit. Um so the next day in class, Allison's like flutzing with her tablet at the podium in her uh, fucking smart classroom. Um, I feel like we've just like lost the people who make the show of, of this whole tirade. I'm so sorry. Um, so she looks over to see Caitlin like staring at the empty seat next to her. No, Nolan. Caitlin is sad or reflecting upon this or what have you. I should say that the, I think the thing that really hurts that last scene is that they don't have Ashley Benson. And so it can't be a normal conversation. It has to well, be incredibly so- forced. Like even more so than usual because you don't have an actor on the other end of the line. But I think that's the, the point is not, I mean, if, even if your own subtext, the point is not Ashley Benson. The point is Mona on this end of the call. But, but if you could just show Ashley Benson and either you, you're literally seeing her, you just hear her voice, but you could hear like a baby in the background or something like there's ways to communicate that her and Caleb had a kid without Mona just saying it to us, you know? Like, yeah. like it's just dialogue you didn't need to have. Like, there, you know, if you could communicate it visually or, or just through acting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I almost worry that that would be, I don't know. Like, I, I think just having her be isolated actually makes a lot of sense to me. It's just, 
it's not delivered the greatest. I mean, even if she's just like kind of holding a picture of Hannah and like her and Hannah together. Remember the uh, the romantic book of the two of them on the cover and how they're going to be like lovers one day. I totally know. I mean, because the other way to do the scene would just be you wouldn't even realize who it was until maybe like she says by hand at the end or something like that. And it's just yeah, like yeah. a short conversation where she's like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. It's a bad time. You know, or, and, and she just gets off the phone real quick. I mean, I almost, I feel like I would have taken a pass at it where like, it's not even just that you hear the baby. Right? It's just Hannah doesn't have time because she has a whole other life that she's dealing with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's just like Mona alone, like with the dial tone, like that's, that's the way I would have gone. But, um, well, there's a, there's the question, of course, is is there anyone on that other that line or not? You know? <laughs> is yeah, she just talking usual, to her phone? The usual frame. Is this real? Yeah, man. I don't. know. Sometimes I wonder, was that a good thing for us to read those books? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No. Well, I mean, I enjoyed it, so good for us. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I just feel like we're going like we weren't burdened by bringing so much to our read of PLL the show because mm-hmm. of the books, you know. Especially if there's a lot more books there, we would be really more burdened by like, well, what about the thing from the the books? You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm kind of reflecting on the the lack of Nolan, the transitory nature of mortality. I feel like Nolan's the kind of guy that like if he was driving you somewhere, he would probably do the thing like he rolled up all the windows when he farted in the car and like just like hotbox you of gas. I just thought about that. What a shit guy, shitty guy he probably was. He'd, um, he'd be doing the Dutch oven for sure. Yeah. Yeah either in the car or actually in the covers. Yeah. Kate, Ava walks in wearing like her first decent outfit for the show. Sits behind Caitlin and Dylan. She's more collected today. Um, she's doing that thing with the leather jacket where it's like on her shoulders, but her arms aren't in it. Yeah. It's a little bit that's of an real, like, That seems like a real rich person thing. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, but, um, she like pulls out her phone, does some texty texting. Uh, then suddenly like Dylan and Caitlin's phones buzzes the text. Now, um, you get the text from Ava on both their phones. It says, thanks for your message last night. And they both kind of like look back at her and Ava smiles a little bit. Everyone feels a little better now, except for Luce Cozino, who's uh, maybe dropped the class because she's not there anymore. Um, and Alice, or, uh, Allison then is like addressing the class and she's just like, I just want you guys to know, especially you three, that uh, my door is always open and I'm here for you. And then off screen we get an achoo! Because uh, Booker is like, four feet from Allison. Like she's just walked in and sneezed. I just love the look Allie gives her like, what the fuck is this shit I'm teaching here? Yeah. And Booker's like, sorry. Oh, it's not a cold. I promise allergies. And Allison should be like, do I give a fuck? Get the fuck out of my class. Again, if only Allison could curse on this show, that'd be so juicy. Um, and Allison's like, um, we're, we're in the middle of a class. And Booker's like, Oh, I thought this would be the best time to find a few of your students all together. Uh, can I borrow? And she kind of sees Ava and she's like, Ava Jalali. And then she reads her notepad, Dylan Walker and uh, Caitlin Park Lewis, changing your name from the books. Um, there's like a murmur in the class. The perfectionists are all staring at each other, like nervous and WTFing. And Allison's got this big smile, like, isn't there a better time? And Becker's like, oh, I wouldn't be here if there was, but I'm investigating a murder. So, so full of condescension, like, like Allison can only relent and turn back to the class. So the three perfectionists like file out as the score gets frisky. Allison's watching them go and feeling like a growing sense of fuck this shit. Also, I get that this is Booker's power play, but this seems like an atrociously bad optics move for like campus morale. If you were Allie, would you try going over Booker's head here? Or would that be like, I don't know. Kind I of feel like, like Allison, running to mom when he shouldn't or something. Yeah, you know? I feel like Allison is about like uh, standing over her enemy's 
bodies while they drown mm-hmm. in quicksand that she's crafted for them. I don't feel like she's, I don't know. I, I can only see like she does something to Booker and Booker is just like, well, we'll see about this. And then like, and then it's at the thing from like the end of Mad Men season one, you know, where like Claire is just like, we can kill her if you want, Allison, but you know, you never know how loyalty is born. Yeah. I mean, maybe the move to do would be like the next time Allie finds herself in a room with both Claire and Booker, she just kind of like mentions something off the cuff, like, Oh, I was so glad that you were able to take my students out of class so you can, you know, interrogate them during during my class. Thank you. I want to thank you for contributing to the the general chaos of the student body by showing like the the descent that you're like, stewing upon my students. That's that was a great class move. Looks just, real good. Just to Looked let Claire good. know, yeah, without without it seeming like a tattle. Or hell, if it could just be like this bitch, am I right, Uncle Claire? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Let's drink some more storm. Yeah. So anyway, outside Booker's. Trying to have a chat with Dylan, Caitlin, and Ava here. She says, "Sorry to pull you out of your out of class. No, you're not. Uh, but I understand that th- three of you were close with Nolan, and I just wanted to know where you were the night he was killed." And Ava is just like kind of hugging herself, like she has a thousand yards still stare. Caitlin and Dylan both look at each other and go, "Um," like really obviously. Uh, but they're saved by Allie, who comes out to their rescue. Allie says, "Oh, good, you're still here. I never thanked you guys for staying late at my house last Thursday." Uh, they meant to just drop off a welcome basket, but I ended up monopolizing their entire night. I don't know why I just abandoned my class to say this, but there you have it. And Booker is the whole whole class at the window. Just like watching. Booker is very nonplussed. She says they were with you the night of the murder. And Allie says, don't get me started on Agatha Christie's decision to totally violate the rules of writing by making it nearly impossible for her readers to figure out the crime on their own. That feels meta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then the perfectionists all look at each other like, oh, shit. <laughs> we just now got that Allie's covering for us. Like, who is this crazy bitch? And well, like, who brings their TAO welcome basket <laughs> at home? Unless you're trying to fuck. Booker just looks annoyed and writes her a notepad. And Allie says, I mean, you can ask the three of them. They know from experience. I can talk for hours. And Booker says, you've convinced me to read the book again. Seems I missed a few things the first time around. Ooh, subtle. Uh, perfectionists say nothing. Ava's got a real shitty grin though now. Uh, and Booker says, but I won't make that mistake again. She kind of sneers and walks off. And then when Booker is still like five feet away, Allie goes, bring it on, bitch. And the uh, the others just turn and gawk like, oh, holy shit, our TA is fucking OG shit stirrer here. And Allie's just like smirking as the camera pulls out on them. Like Booker's walking away. And she had to have heard that. She was like right there. Like, why doesn't she turn her back around? <laughs> Yeah, the song like, on the soundtrack is saying, for the wicked, woo! Like, you know, I'm three feet from you. Like, that's really, like, I mean, I'm a condescending monster, but damn, damn. Allie's just like, this doesn't even involve me, but I feel like causing chaos just for fun, because I don't like you, Booker. And I have no friends. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to turn to the, the perfectionist and be like, don't worry, nerds. I once beat a polygraph, and then I fucked the cop who administered the polygraph and destroyed his life. Also for fun. I got this. I just need the scene where Allie and Mona explain themselves to the perfectionists, like who they are. Like mm-hmm. Allie's just like, I did a hard time once for killing a bitch. And Caitlin would be like, seriously, who? And Mona would be like, me, Pi? Yeah. Oh my God, if they just high five after that. Yeah. Or or in an alternate reality, the first scene of episode three is the new TA explained to the class that Mrs. De Laurentiis was let go. <laughs> 
she's she's already violated policy at like twice. <laughs> but but like, seemingly Claire bring, once or two. Yeah. Nobody's bringing like Riley Finn welcome baskets, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I I feel like that was like the main kind of character arc here was like, you know, two different people told Allie you gotta you gotta get get more old school Allie. Yeah. I mean, I guess Ava is kind of getting over her grief now, and the the, the uh, they're all friends, That's or not being like so like like stoned off. I yeah. guess. All right. Well, that was sex lies and alibis. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the Ezra text? Uh, so first, I got a question last week from Damien. Which of us is more likely to stare into and then talk to a mirror? Uh, Marco or the artist formerly known as Benjo. Thought we might softball it first. What do you think? Um, hmm, probably me. Mm, okay. Do you disagree? Do you talk to yourself in the mirror? I used to do a thing uh, when I would like talk on the phone more than like text. I would like walk around, and then every once in a while I would find myself like not really like looking into a mirror, but like standing in front of a mirror. Like I guess it was easy to. Uh, ignore myself or a face like while doing that um it's hard to say though because i don't really talk on the phone anymore like the last time i like had an ongoing like, phone conversation yourself, people like six months yeah i know i don't talk to myself okay i hate myself i don't care what i think i talk to myself now man yeah what do you say you say oh, that was a good thing you said there you're smart okay it's a joke okay so like while you're editing this you're just like <laughs> yeah yeah Benjo, you nailed it. Yeah. Fist bump. Um, Damien also asked if uh, we would read Dylan's boyfriend's lines in Jordan voice. Probably oh, not. That's, but... that's all you on that. I've... This is all that you can't tell. I don't even remember Jordan's voice. <laughs> oh, it, was wow. it was a mess. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was like it was a Mel like Gibson my... Australian voice there. <laughs> uh, and then there's the question of what kind of games might have uh, Mona been working on for Hotchkiss Industry slash Technologies? God, who knows? <laughs> Some sort of like free to play game, or maybe like people donated a bunch of money. Yeah, she might have created this kind of interactive, like super immersive VR game called Pretty Little Liars: Colon the Perfectionists. That you can be any other character you want. They just don't have clearly defined <laughs> motives, and their spatial relationships aren't always that worked out. Yeah, so let's talk about the the Ezria text. Um, <laughs> To me, it's I just love that they related. keep doing these things. They're so cheesy. These like yeah. Instagram, Twitter video things where it's just like it's like Allie texting someone. And it's always like like Arya's uh, her avatar, her picture, her contact photo is it's just like a books emoji. Yeah. <laughs> like she doesn't have like are they not allowed to use Lucy Hale's face or something? I don't know. I, I would I don't think so. Not for like especially not for something this dumb. Um, I, one of the things that got me about it was it made me really question, like, where is Aria and, uh, Allison's relationship years later? Like, are they really like texting friends? Also, these videos are, excuse me, are short. So they have to like get to the quick of them and like, it makes it even more awkward. It's, it's like the conversation that Mona had with Hannah where it's like, it's way too much information awkwardly and it's super fan service, obviously, but it's like, yeah, it's not, not a natural conversation at all. It's not how people yeah. text. That's for sure. 
So, of course, because they're so in this quicksand of shipping, it's like, oh, Arya has a book called Park Animal. They're making a movie out of it. More importantly, though, her and Ezra had a baby. Wait, what was Ooh. the book's name? Park Avenue. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, they're making a movie out of it. Yeah. Did you hear they're making a movie? Yeah. Yeah, they have a. They've. I'm sorry. How how does that conversation go of not like being like I'm rich? Yeah. <laughs> Cha ching. Ali's like cool. I'm a TA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also, the Ezra. I'm so sad. Yeah, the Ezra child is presumably adopted. Catherine Ella there. Yeah. Arya's uh, her her final punishment on PLL is to be barren. Yeah, not named, not named Renesme, not named Dianella. Dianella, Dianella Fitzgomery. That's a true Ezra uh, baby. I was, uh, I was texting your joke there to somebody, and for some reason, even though I've never done anything of it on my phone, my phone autocorrected it to Dianetics. <laughs> so I actually wrote Dianetics Fitzmontgomery or that's Fitzgomery. Terrifying. I was like, I was like, well, that's super creepy. <laughs> Um, I think Andrew pointed out that it's like some kind of like J.K. Rowling shit, but this seems more pandering and insulting to me. Yeah, but just because the I mean the J.K. stuff is usually like somebody asks her something and she's it'll just be like, "Oh yeah, sure, there were Jewish kids at Hogwarts," and it's like, "Oh Jesus Christ, J.K., just stop, please." Yeah. You know, whereas this is like, no, it's like someone's going out of their way to like write this cheesy fanfic, and it it also feels like they don't trust the kind of perfectionist on its own. And so they're no. just like, Hey everyone, you still like the ships, right? Like stay engaged, please. Ships that you're not going to ever get anything on from, on this show, you know, like you're just not most I, likely. You, yeah. Unless you just get more bad dialogue or it's like, Ali's just like, Hey Mona, can you believe blah, blah, blah just happened back in Rosewood? I read about it on website page. I mean, there's so there's there's such a way to be true to the history of these two characters without having to spell it out or be beholden to it. But like for characters, you're never going to see and it totally undermines everything you're trying to do with this show. This is supposed to be Allison's fresh start. Does, did she not just say this? Um, she's supposed to be doing the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing. Like that's not contradictory to like. Oh, we kind of miss like when you were tough and like uh, had some agency and were a little bit of a badass. Those two things aren't contradictory. I mean, let's do like a fucking Deep Space Nine and like Perfectionist Season Four, which I hope, but the ratings aren't great. Like Worf and Arya are suddenly back on the show or something. Like Worf and Arya, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Hashtag we want Worf. Hashtag we want Arya. Ooh, Worf and Arya are dating. That's a ship. I can get behind that. Um. Yeah. Like. Also, hey everyone, watch the show. Like the ratings aren't great. Yeah, I, I wonder. Um, I don't know. I, I don't I know the marketing is helping. I haven't paid up enough attention to like TV news recently to know like how long stuff like Good Trouble, you know, waited before it got renewed. That sort of thing, you know. Um, Pretty like, quickly, they haven't even uh, they renewed it and they haven't even aired the finale yet. I want to yeah. say. Um. It probably like I don't know like I I would not be totally shocked if this did not get renewed. Um, I'm Arlene King just left Warner Horizon. She signed a development deal at Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Other people have gotten 
yeah. that might might not contradict coming back to Portland. Um, don't know, but but it, it just like you could see this being something where like the ratings aren't really good, and like you know the creator just now has this other thing going, and maybe it would just be the easiest to kind of just move it along. I don't know. We'll see. There's a location aspect to the show, which could be pricey. Um, I Are I they, think the show is worthwhile, but I I don't want to like diss the entire marketing effort. I feel like the look of the premiere and that whole pop up experience that seemed very intriguing. Um, but some of the stuff where they're going real hard on like the shipping from a show that's over that that's only tangentially related to this stuff. Like uh, I want to dive back into like the whatever the Instagram story where they had the thing of the episode titles and like the whole thing of like the author who I thought was named like Howard Booker who wrote a book at some point and that like that stuff is really interesting. Like play up the mystery more. Yeah. Cause yeah. presumably all the characters have an equal stake in that. They should. Yeah. At what point, what point do five characters sit in a room and like finally like reveal their fucking secrets to each other? Yeah. When do these two storylines meet? Well, the thing about the ratings, we should say like, you never know with TV these days because there's like streaming and you know, like the ratings plus seven and all that kind of stuff. So it's mm. possible that as far as freeform is concerned, they're fine. We don't know, but like just like yeah. the raw numbers you see on like the, the kind of traditional ratings, they don't look great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Hulu helps. I know I've seen a lot of people say like, you should go to like the freeform apps or what have you. Um, yeah. which makes sense. I mean, I guess if freeform had more like in house native data that helped, um, I don't know how much like the whole like like live tweeting or the you know hashtags or whatever the big social media presence of it's the same mm-hmm. that really like equates to dollar signs. Is it still the uh, most tweeted TV show? Yeah, and then I've seen that number corrected to say, uh, or I've seen that that data like corrected to say, oh, PLO is like one of the top seven most like social media shows or whatever. So who knows? Yeah. Anyway, but um, I don't I don't I don't dislike it. I feel like the show has promise. You know, it's episode two and there's plenty of shows that don't get good for like years, mm-hmm. but it would be a shame if, if this, there's a great show here and it doesn't, doesn't get to, you know, become itself. Yeah. So. Well, next week is, um, if one of them is dead, right? That's the name of it. Return of Charlie Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Did you have any Which other is, emails? Let's or- say- when uh, that came out about that episode title, I think when we were doing the uh, the book episodes, that's when I was like, "How do they not bring back the secret song?" <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm, if anything else, we'll go into it next week. All right. Well, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, tweet at us or or at Bros Watch or at Bros Watch Feel We also have email uh, Bros Watch at Gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to support the pod. You can rate or review us on iTunes or tell your friends. Um, we don't normally do any ads or Patreon. I'm sure if you're a long-time listener, you're aware of that. Uh, we just kind of do the show for fun. However, if you really want to support us in the coming weeks, uh, we are going to be publishing a book. So if you're into teen murder mystery, which you may be if you like PLL, uh, that might be something that's up your alley. So uh, more details to come on that. Uh, I hope to have more info about that soon. So. Keep, keep your you eye on that spot. If you want to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reviews that I saw, at least in the USA. If you live in another country and you leave us a review, if you can, tweet at us or email us or something because it's it's really hard to see reviews from other countries. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. we always, always like to hear from our, our listeners around the world. I wonder if there's a way I can do like some kind of contest related to the podcast and I can send somebody the PLL Cards Against Humanity. I like the idea of two people in the world having that and only two people. Okay. Yeah, but it's like something where it's like you, I don't know, do a review or I don't know, something. Maybe if you buy a copy of Trouble. You can workshop that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next time for uh, Allie giving Mona like a dead rose or something from the promo photo. That is intriguing. Exciting stuff. Mona, um, there's a great, some promo photos of like Mona at her computer, like looking over at her chessboard. Mm. It's got to be Taylor, Uh, right? That seems like the most likely. It really does. Um, I'm all about getting Taylor into the show as much as possible. So yes, please. All right. We'll see. Until next time. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.